Sport Band for Racing Radio this Monday night, August the 1st. And uh, joining me, it will be our co-host for tonight, Sal Sagala. Welcome to the show, Sal. Oh, thank you, Sharon. Okay, it's good to have you here. We're going to start in the first half hour with some short track news, and we'll follow that up with the Arkham Art Series and Sioux Chief Showdown Race at the Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, uh, and we'll include some ARCA East and West updates as well. At uh, 9 o'clock, we will have some post-race audio from NASCAR Xfinity Series winner A.J. Allmendinger. He's the driver of the number 16 Colleg Racing Chevrolet. Uh, earlier today, you may have seen me have uh, Grant Infinger up on our uh, promotions. However, when I listened to the audio, it was very low volume, and it didn't start until late into the recording. So that's why we made this switch to A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, afterward, we will get into the review of the NASCAR Truck Series at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. And at 9.30, we'll get into the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series races at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's Road Course. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Up conversation with the Band for Racing crew. So with that, uh, Sal, uh, let's go ahead and get started with some short track racing news. Do you have any news you want to make sure we mention? No, nah, nah, nobody raced. Everybody was off this weekend. I mean, they're racing at Madera, but um, I really didn't get a chance to see how the how the drivers played out over there from from the um, from their MAP TV rates. Okay. Well, there's a couple things that are going on this week, and one is North Wilkesboro Speedway Revival. And uh, uh, Racing America does have some nice articles up about 10 things that you should know about the modifieds at the racetrack revival. Uh, But there's three days of racing from today through the 3rd. So through Wednesday, you can watch the racing at North Wilkesboro. Uh, and how uh, they they tell you how you can watch uh, those races. Uh, they are pay-per-view races um, at Racing America. So if you are a subscriber there, I think you can get a little bit of a discount. Uh, but definitely uh, an exciting opportunity to watch racing again at North Wilkesboro. Yeah, I guess it'll be a good show out there, you know, if anyone gets a chance to get out there and see it. If not, you can always watch it on um, uh, Racing America. Absolutely. Uh, There's some nice articles here, too, about Tyler Reddick's win at the Indianapolis Road Course and kind of his roots of racing as well and the fact that we had three rookies uh, posting top five finishes at the Indianapolis Road Course. So, uh, that was pretty uh, good to see Racing America covering that. Yeah, um, Matt, uh, Matt, Weaver? Matt Weaver does pretty good with that. Yeah, he does real good with that, you know, with covering stuff like that, um, especially, you know, he came out full-time with uh, with Racing America. So he, he dabbles more in short track racing, but when it comes to the racing and stuff like this, you know, he really um, – he really uh, – um the ante with the with the coverage that he that he brings to the to the website. He does. 
And uh, there were some cup drivers that were also racing in the ARCA CRA Super Series. And uh, one of them won at high RP on uh, Saturday. Uh, Jones, Eric Jones, was able to outduel William Byron for that win. So there's a great article up about that as well. So uh, uh, some really good stuff over at Art Racing America. As we've been talking about, Matt Weaver does do a wonderful job of uh, keeping everybody informed of what's going on in the racing world, especially at the roots level. Uh, yeah, he does. Go ahead. No, I said no. He does. He does a good job. That's his. Uh, that's his forte. Is the short tracks. Exactly. Well, there's still some racing going on Monday night. That's tonight at IRP. That's Indianapolis Raceway Park or Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. And Kyle Larson is pulling double duty tonight uh, by racing out there. So uh, if you go over to Flow Racing, you can read about that and probably even watch that race. So it's always good. That's why it's so hard to get some of these drivers on our radio show anymore. They're racing all over the country in some of these uh, grassroots tracks. Yeah, they're um, definitely getting their uh, definitely getting their seat time. And you know, you know now you know what the what the way the season is. You know, going. You know, they try to get as much what they look at as practice, but it's you know they just really like you know. Dabbling back, you know where they where they where they where they started at. Exactly. Uh, this name will sound familiar to everybody. Rico Abreu. He fends up uh, Madman in the All Stars Thriller at Knoxville. There's a great article about Rico Abreu uh, and his win out at Knoxville uh, this weekend in the All Star Circuit of Champions, presented by Mobile One. So uh, good to see Rico Abreu still having his winning ways. Yeah, he's he's still out there doing a lot of stuff. Um, I was talking to uh, Bud Kading over the weekend Saturday. We we're talking about Rico and uh, and some of the stuff that uh, talking about you know the uh, you know the things that's going on you know with um, with Kyle Larson and the and not him not racing the um, the uh, uh, Chili Bowl this year you know and, and you know the issue you know if they have you know with some of the money that you know that, that they're not. They should be giving out to the drivers, you know, but it seems like they're kind of keeping it more and more for themselves. Bud was part of that too. He um, he said he stopped going out there. He goes when he when he hit hit a couple of um, heat races, you know, and he said when he got his check, he couldn't believe how big, well, how big, how small the check was, and uh, uh. and that's and I'm sure everybody's read about it. You know, that's kind of why um, Rico, you know, Kyle Larson and. Ricky Stenhouse and them, you know, have, you know, a lot of the cup drivers have opted out of the Chili Bowl this year. They just don't feel, you know, if the payout is worth, you know, the week that they spend out there. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, moving on to some of the other races that uh, took place this week. week. Anthony Macri invades I-70 and claims the Big Tazos All-Stars payday uh, down in Missouri, Odessa, Missouri. So another good win to see. Yeah. They're looking around uh, uh, where you're at. 
Okay, out at Speedway, Indiana, Kyle Larson enters the USAC Midget BC39 at Indianapolis. Uh, so he is a busy, busy driver. Oh yeah, he is. He's uh, you know, he's doing what he like what, what he likes doing, you know, and you know, and that's been, you know, Kyle Larson, you know. That's kind of it's kind of sad when you think about it. You know, he, now he's doing all the races he wanted to do, but back when he was Chip with Chip Ganassi, Ganassi wasn't allowing him to do all this racing. You know, they just he didn't feel you know it was safe. You know, to let him you know go out and race these sprints and you know race the dirt. He was wanted him you know basically you know, just stay driving the you know the tough car. But you know, since he signed on with Hendrick Motorsports, you know Rick Hendrick kind of you know loosened up the belts and that's him. Because you notice him, William Byron's doing a, William Byron's doing a lot of the pro uh, super late model racing, and even Chase uh, Chase Elliott has done some different. And Alex Bowman uh, too. Yeah, and, and doing some uh, super late model racing. Now that uh, BC39 entry list is over 70 drivers, and there's some NASCAR names on this list as well. JJ Yaley is one. Uh, Justin Grant, we had a, we had, I don't know if you remember, but we had Justin Grant on our show many moons ago, uh, when we were first getting started. Uh, Chase Briscoe is on the entry list. Uh, let me see if I see any other. Michelle Decker, uh, Decker, uh, a lot of people know Natalie Decker. Uh, let's see. Donnie Schatz, he's not a NASCAR driver, but, uh, a well-known name, Logan Seavey, another well-known name in uh, the racing circles. Uh, let's see, who else do we have on here? Ryan Newman is on the entry list. There's 70 people on this entry list. So, Buddy Kofoid, a lot of fans will remember him. He's raced a few of the uh, Truck Series races this year. Uh, so a, a lot of names on this list, over 70 entries so far, and I mentioned Kyle uh, Larson being on that list as well. Uh, it's a dirt track at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, that they'll be racing on. So this is the USAC Midgets BC39 at Indianapolis Motor Speedway uh, this week from the 3rd to the 4th. So, yeah, Sheldon uh, Creed's also on the list too. Oh, Sheldon Creed's on there? Okay. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, Sheldon Creed's on there, too. I miss Sheldon Creed's name, but, uh, yeah, there are so many stellar names on this list, and uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch. If you have a slow racing subscription, you'll definitely want to catch this one. They put on a good event. Yeah, it will, it will be a good one to watch. A lot of uh, days, a lot of... He races, you know, before they finally get to the A main. So, yeah, there will be definitely be a lot of racing. Uh, you, if you if you go over to FlowRacing. Uh, dot com, you'll see a lot of the results for the NASCAR um, uh, Weekly Touring Series. The Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Touring Series uh, is covered by Flow Racing, and it also includes the NASCAR Pinty Series. And you can catch a lot of the uh, race winners uh, that are listed there at flowracing.com. Oh. 
Uh, NASCAR Roots Notebook, Katie Hedinger, makes history at Hickory. So another article that you'll want to uh, check out. She it's, it's actually written right by Rob Plount. Remember, Rob? Uh, just 15 years old and now has the most wins of any female at the legendary Hickory Motor Speedway. So uh, at 15 years of age, uh, Katie is uh, making some history. Katie Henninger. Henninger. Yeah, Rob was another uh, another one that uh, was a Speed 51. Mm-hmm. Was a Speed 51 for a while, then um, he left, and then I guess now he's back. Well, it's nice back with the floor racing, racing drill. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, suffice it to say, there are so many great articles over flow racing as well as Racing America. We had Brandon, uh, shoot, what is his last name? I, it escaped me all of a sudden. Brandon, who used to be at uh, Speed 51, is now over at Flow Racing. And, oh, Brandon uh, Paul. Brandon Paul, thank you. We had him on the radio show a few weeks, several <coughs> weeks ago now, and uh, he does a great job over at Flow Racing, uh, getting all of these articles and and information out on the website so that uh, everybody can be up to date with what's going on. They have the you know what you can watch. They have the news, the schedule, upcoming schedule, results, and rankings uh, for so many of the series. And of course, uh, another. Uh, the ARCA Racing Series is also covered by Flow Racing. So uh, really, and the Modified Series is covered by Flow Racing. So they do a, a fantastic job as well. Oh, yeah, they, they have a lot of different series going on. So it'll, it'll, you always have a, you always have like a, like a buffet of, you know, of what kind of racing, you know, you like, what kind of <laughs> racing you enjoy, and, you know, what kind, you know, you want to watch. Exactly right. Okay. Uh, it was a battle of the two Smiths on Friday night out at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park in the Arca Menard Series, which was also a suit cheap showdown event. Uh, when the checker flag waved, it was Chandler Smith who bested Sammy Smith on during his first Arca Menard Series victory of the season. In the Reese's 200, the victory, uh, margin of victory was .686 miles. Oh, it, no, I'm sorry, that wasn't the margin of victory. That's the size of the track, .686-mile asphalt oval. Uh, the Triumph also marked Chandler Smith's third straight ARCA victory at that track, dating all the way back to 2019. Uh, so Sammy Smith settled for second. His sixth top five finish in seven Arkham Menard starts this season. Uh, Taylor Gray, who won the last two Arkham Menard Series events at Mid-Ohio Sports Car in Pocono Raceway, crossed the finish line at third in the number 17, David Gilliland Ford. Daniel Stye finished fourth for GMS Racing, followed by Connor Mosack, and <clears throat> completing the top five for Brett Holmes Racing. Then it was Jesse Love, Nick Sanchez, Raja Karuth, Mamba Smith, Greg Van Alt, who rounded out the top ten finishers. So uh, any thoughts about the, those top ten finishers, uh, Sal? Yeah, it was a good race out there, you know. Um, you know, Sammy Smith, you know, as a, as a rookie, you know, still 
you know, continues to show a lot of a lot of promise in the series along with Taylor Gray. You know, the you got the two the two Gray brothers, you know, who are you know racing in, the, in the, all the different series out there. But you know, it's good to see you know Taylor Gray get, grab that third place finish and and uh, you know some there was some good hard rough racing out there. There are actually eight rookies in the top ten uh, in the Arkham Knight series finishing results, so it's really amazing. Sammy Smith, of course, finishing second was the highest finishing rookie, uh, but very competitive race. Yeah, it was. It was a very competitive race. Uh, and those who watched it got got a really treat because uh, they really did uh, challenge each other, the two Smiths on the uh, track. Uh, Sammy Smith actually started from the pole in the number 18 for Kyle Busch Motorsports and led the opening 88 laps, but it was Chandler Smith who was able to wheel his number 15 Venturini Motorsports Toyota to the lead on a restart on lap 89. Uh, Once in front, Chandler Smith would hold the lead for the remainder of the event. Uh, Despite uh, some pressure from Sammy Smith during multiple restarts, and scraping the outside wall on the final lap uh, between turns three and four. So uh, it was, I'm sure, disappointing for Sammy to settle for second, uh, but he put it on a good show along with Sant Chandler Smith. Yeah, it's always hard when you, you know, when you, you know, have incidents like that, you know, especially, you know, when, when you're, you know, you're trying to grab the win, but still a second place finish, you know, still, um, you know, it was a lot better, you know, finishing a lot lower where he could have finished, you know, especially after banging off the wall the way he did. Exactly. Now, um, <clears throat> we had the point standings for the Arkham Menard series, but the point standings for the Sioux Chief Showdown are not up yet. So if you want to go ahead and give the uh, series point standings for the Arkham Menard series, that would be great, So. Yeah, this uh the series standings are uh, Roger Carruth still leading the points. Um, sitting in second is Nick Sanchez. Third is Daniel Dye. Fourth is uh, Tony uh, uh, Breedinger. Fifth is Greg Van Alst. Sixth is Albert Balkin. Seventh is Brad Smith. Eighth is Sammy Smith. Ninth is Zachary Tinkle. And rounding out the top ten would be um, Taylor Gray. Yeah, only uh, seven of those drivers have raced all 11 races. A couple of them, well, one of them have raced 10, and the other two have raced seven of the races. But only one point now between Raja Karuth and Nick Sanchez, uh, and five points between third place Daniel Dye and the leader. Pretty tight race up at the top. Oh, yeah, it is just getting tighter, you know, as a as the races go on, you know, they're getting closer and closer to each other. They really are. And uh, some of these drivers that uh, have uh, only the seven races, uh, Sammy Smith and Taylor Gray, have amazing stats when you look at their average start and average finishes. Uh, they're actually better than the guys that are at the top of the leaderboard. Oh, yeah, they are. Um, having since. Especially Sammy Smith, he's having he's having an amazing season this year. He is. He's got an average start of two point four, with an average finish of three point four, 
And then Taylor Gray, again, only seven of the 11 races run, average start at 4.3 with an average finish of 4.6. That's a lot of consistency for those drivers. But, again, they're not racing the full season. Uh, I would imagine we'd see those guys at the top of the list uh, had it not been for uh, the part-time schedule. Uh, Taylor Gray actually has three wins out of those seven races. Yeah, there's a... Sammy Smith has two. Yeah. And uh, Roger Krug has zero, and he's still leading the points. (laughs) Exactly. He does have the most points. He's raced all 11 races, Uh, so uh, it's all good. Yep, it's all all consistency. You know, he's only had one finish outside the top ten. Yep. You know, so that, and that's, what that's it's kind all of about. that's kind of what, yeah, that's kind of what's helped him. You know, only having that one finish outside the top ten. It absolutely is. Uh, keep your eye on the standings though for the uh, Sioux Chief Showdown. They have five of the ten races uh, listed up there, but the race at uh, Lucas Oil Ra- Indianapolis Raceway Park, uh, the point standings are not up there yet. But if you keep checking. <laughs> Uh, they will have those point standings updated, so uh, keep an eye on that. Okay, now let's um, <clears throat> go to uh, the next races. Uh, the Arkham and Art Series will be racing this week, again, at Michigan International Speedway on August 6th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and that will be televised on MAV-TV. And keep in mind, MAV-TV and Flow Sport are uh, merging together uh, while uh, they transfer the MAV-TV content over to uh, Flow TV or Flow Racing. And uh, MAV-TV is looking to uh, kind of uh, redirect all of their subscribers over to Flow Racing. So, But you will be able to watch the Henry Ford Health 200 on MAV-TV if you have it. Or, or over at Flow Racing, if you are a subscriber. Yeah, that that's always you know. I mean, if you, if you really like racing a lot, you know, it's a it's a good uh, subscription to have. You know, because you know you will see a lot of racing, a lot of different types of racing. Um, if not, then you know what? It's better not to not to waste your money because you're just going to get upset. You know. <laughs> You know, because if you don't, you gotta, you're gonna pay for it. You might as well watch it. You know, take the time exactly out to watch it. Exactly right. Exactly. And what I do is I have it on my Roku TV, so I can watch it right on the TV, uh, just like I would any other race. Okay, the next Sioux Chief Showdown event will be taking place on August the 19th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time out at Watkins Glen International, and that will be televised on Fox Sports 1. The General Tire Delivers 100 uh, will take place on August the 19th, so mark your calendars for that one. Uh, And then... The, right, the day afterward will be the Arca West race out at Evergreen Speedway on August the 20th at 6 p.m., the Napa Auto Parts Arca West 150, and that will be available on Flow Racing streaming service. So uh, mark your calendars for the next Arca West race as well. And then following that, on August the 28th, 
we'll be talking about the ARCA East again, the Sprecher 150 at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's 3 p.m. Eastern at the Milwaukee Mile. Again, that will be televised on MAV-TV. That ARCA West race, I don't think I mentioned the time, that's 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. That would be 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time out at Evergreen Speedway. Uh, your thoughts about any of these races, Sal? Yeah, that'll be that'll be a good start time for it. Um, you know, just just to you know just to try and get you know as much in you know get it done as early as possible. I know out here we have sometimes we have um, you know issues you know where we have too many red flags and and the program goes way into our curfew that we have out here. You know what? And the fans start after a while they start getting antsy after a while. You know, two three hours is about their attention span. So yeah. when you go past that, you know. You basically already lost them, especially when you have continuous yellows and continuous uh, red flags. Just kind of mm-hmm. lose, you know, lose the you know, the younger crowd that's just getting into it. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's really good to see uh, all the great articles that they put up about it. Uh, uh, ARCA racing uh, a lot of times if you're not able to actually watch the race you can catch the radio broadcast over at ARCA racing and then they also have the race center where you can get upda- updates uh, of the live action uh, directly from the track so uh, just uh, uh, just a reminder to everybody that this is a great resource for everyone they also have all the broadcast times for all of the races so you can always check that out as well. Yeah, it's a it's a bible of uh, information basically for the short track guys. So you know, make sure you know if you haven't seen it yet, you know, stop by and pick one up. You know, okay. read it. You know, and go through it, and um, you know, you'll just be amazed at, at some of the stuff that's going on. You might even get shocked and find something around your own home that you don't even realize there's a track there. <laughs> exactly. That's the that's the cool thing. Uh, you never that, know. That home tracks right in your own neighborhood, where you can go out to the track and catch some of these uh, fantastic events uh, that are taking place. Yeah, I mean, you'd be surprised. Like I said, there's so many tracks out there, and I know I've had people tell me I didn't even know Erndale was open. You know, and it's been oh, really? open, you know, for a long time now. Yeah, you know, because well, when it closed, they thought that was it. But then oh, they realized oh, that Erndale reopened, you know, since since then, under under two different, you know, under two different ma- management companies, you know, two different guys have right. taken it over. And um, they're saying, I say, yeah, it's open, it's alive. <laughs> so get out it's there. Alive. It's alive. Yeah, <laughs> so get out there and support your short track racing guys again. Exactly right. Okay, so uh, we're going to go ahead and move on. I know we're a little bit ahead of schedule, uh, but sometimes we need that time later on. Uh, I want to play some, I was, again, originally we were going to have Grant Enfinger's post-race audio, the winner of the truck series race, but when I played the audio to preview it, uh, there was an eight-and-a-half-minute gap before (laughs) Uh, we even got to the audio, and then when you did get to the audio, it was very low volume. So I didn't think it was going to be uh, uh, quality that we needed uh, to share with our listeners, so I switched over to A.J. Allmendinger, 
Uh, he was the winner of the Xfinity Series race, uh, driving the number 16 for College Racing Chevrolet. And uh, he was able to bring home that victory. It was a big day. He talks a little bit about how he met his wife at that track a year ago, um, or a couple of years ago, I guess now, and uh, what it means to him to win at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and also having his picture taken with uh, all of the past winners from all the different series that have raced at Indianapolis. So uh, we'll take a listen uh, to that post-race audio for about uh, seven, eight minutes, and then Sal and I will uh, give you our comments afterward. Are we ready, Sal? Yes, we are. Okay, here we go. We'll go to the back and then to Jerry Jordan. I'm going to go ahead and start with post-race media availabilities. We are joined by tonight's winner of the Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard, A.J. Allmendinger, driver of the number 16 colleague racing Chevrolet. A.J., your third win this season on a road course. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel well. Feel pretty good. It's uh, anytime you can win at IMS and kiss those bricks and you know be on top of the pagoda and I I don't care if it's cup race, Xfinity race, any car race, IMSA race. I don't summer shootout out here. I don't. Anytime you win at Indy, it's it's a big deal. At least for me, it's this place is special. I, I love this racetrack and uh, I thought you know it's kind of funny because last year I thought we gave the Xfinity race away and and. Um, you know, through the grace of God, we, we got an opportunity in the cup race to go win the race. Um, but I felt like, you know, we deserved to come out here and win this race. And we had a, a really good car. Uh, bad first pit stop, uh, but the guys rebounded the last two and, and did a really good job. And um, just kind of had to pace myself. We, we had a lot of outright speed. Uh, I knew Bowman was, was decent on the long run, so I pushed pretty hard early there to just try to build a gap so I could kind of pace myself. And, um, and then at the end, just pray for no yellows. Awesome. All right, well, we'll go ahead and start right over there in the red shirt. All right, there we go. Steve Conley, the podium finish. Um, A.J. Allinger, Jr. once said that um, you don't know what winning at Indy means. Can you put into words what this racetrack means to you, now a two-time winner here, um, just those emotions, if you explain it to a simple person? Yeah, I mean, I, this, uh, you know, as I said, it, 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 no matter what you race here, if you're able to win at this racetrack, it, it's something that will last in your memories for, forever. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day, right? It's great to, to do it in the moment and have the accolades and, and live it, but it's the moments after, because I think especially in this business, sometimes we get, at least I'll, I'll say, I personally get lost in the fact that it's always what, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, got to be better. Uh, and for the most part, it, it is, it's always going to be like that, but this place, you know, when I'm able to drive in and see my picture from last year and we are able to go kiss the bricks again and share those memories. You know, Indianapolis is the place that I met my wife uh, nine years ago at the Indy 500. So, or actually technically at the Wild Beaver as she was walking down the road. But anyway, that's a different story. She, she hates when I say that. Uh, technically, I was at the Wild Beaver. She was just kind of walking past. But anyway, um, but yeah, you know, to, to meet my wife here and, and 
You know, it, because of Matt Collig and Chris Rice and, and all the hard work of the men and women, but especially Matt and Chris for initially giving me that call in 2019 when I was thought I was moving to the next step of my life of, of TV with NBC to just do a few races. You know, at that point in my life, I had three NASCAR wins, and I hadn't really sniffed a, a you know, we had a couple of good runs, but really come close to truly winning a race except maybe Martinsville for the four years after I won my last NASCAR race. And it was something that two weeks ago we had a bad race, and I was mad. Sunday I'm walking around my house pissed off, and I walked up into my trophy room, and my wife said, like, after the first two wins, like, hey, we're going to need new trophy cases. And I was like, no, don't worry about it. Like, we don't. I got, like, 12 trophies sitting on the ground. One of them's a brickyard trophy. And so all this, I've been so fortunate in my life to have won a Rolex with Mike Shank, to have won champ car races, to have won a couple of cup races. But, you know, it's if I would have ended in 2018, I would have thought, okay, this is, you know, of course, I, I wish I could have made a little more of it, but heck, I've won in a lot of different different race cars. But now, like I've gotten to win a lot of races in the last couple of years, and two of them are here, and those are the most special races that I could possibly have. So, can you put it into words? Not really, but am I cherishing all this time? Because, as I said, I left in, at the end of 2018 thinking I was, you know, I'd won a couple of races in NASCAR. Great, I'd just be this really small dot and now I have a picture hanging outside the racetrack like it's pretty badass and I'm so fortunate for it all right we'll go up here and then to Bob Bruce Martin with Speed Sport you're always supposed to look ahead but today at 9 a.m. you actually got a chance to look at the history of this place you're out there at the yard of bricks posing with the greatest names in the history of this facility, you know, all the guys that were out there to just sometimes just ask yourself, what am I doing with these guys? Because it was, it was pretty, all the living winners that have won here with the exception of Tony Kanaan were out there today. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, truthful answer, Bruce, like, I didn't feel like I belonged out there. Like, that, uh, it's, you know, I'm standing next to, to Jimmy, and I'm standing uh, next to Rick Mears, and, and, AJ Foyt's there. I get, you know, that's who I'm named after. I get to take my picture with AJ Foyt. Um, you know, Ari Leindyke. I mean, it's you go on down the line, right? Like, I'm Mario standing there. Like, I in a way, I I, I said to Carly, I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, I, I don't like it's just, I don't know if I should be standing here. Like, did did Doug make a mistake? It was like, hey, oh, wrong AJ. Sorry, I didn't mean to get both of them here. Like, that's the coolest picture I'm ever gonna have in my life. And I got to be there because of something I accomplished, not just because I snuck in on the photo. So, like, it's, it's awesome. I, I don't even know what to say to it. I really didn't feel like I belonged there. It, it was it was pretty magical. And I walked away and, and said to them, I was like, this is this is unbelievable. I, don't, I, I just feel like I shouldn't be here, but I get to be here because of something we did. So, yeah, that's, it's pretty special to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I agree, and, you know, this is, those are legends 
icons of motorsports, not of just this place, right? But, I mean, in general, they're, they're icons of motorsports. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was – I mean, there was 12 Indy 500 standing there. Literally, it was just 12, 12 Indy 500 just standing right there between Elio and, and AJ and Rick. So, and numerous brickyards and all that. So, yeah, I, that'll be the coolest, coolest photo that I have in my life. Okay, <laughs> your thoughts about uh, AJ's comments. Uh, for those of you that might not have been at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, when you walk into the track, it is an amazing feeling because you see these huge, and I mean huge banners of past winners at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I can only imagine how AJ Almondinger felt walking up to the track and seeing his own banner uh, standing out there with uh, all the other past winners. And then to be able to kiss the bricks with all the winners together, uh, I can only imagine how magical that really was. But your thoughts, Sal? Yeah, I, I can imagine. I mean, he talked about it, you know what, and that's really basically all he, he expounded on, which is good because, you know, for an open-wheel driver, you know, anyone that came from open wheel, you know, IndyCar, you know, they're, that's their first, um, uh, you know, that's their first thing is wanting to, you know, race it at uh, Indianapolis. You know, Indy's just like, you know, it's just like, it's like a magical place. It was a neat interview, you know, to hear how excited he was, you know. Uh, knowing that, but how much he respects the place too, you know, knowing that, you know, that it's not a, you know, it's never a gimme when you go out there, no matter how many laps you have on that track. And I think one of the things that's underrated about AJ as well is that he has raced more than just NASCAR. He's raced in the IMSA Rolex 24. He's raced in in uh, a lot of open wheel uh, events. So IndyCar, I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, and how he thought his career was was pretty much up. His racing career he thought was pretty much up, and then he got the opportunity at college racing and how that has just rejuvenated him. Uh, I, I'm happy to see it. <clears throat> okay, any thoughts about that, Sal? Yeah, you know, it, it's... You know, especially what he's gone through in his career. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean. He's gone through a lot. I mean, he's been through a lot. He's been through the mill. I mean, he's been kicked out of NASCAR. You know, he's been, you know, Roger Penske is the one that you know that took him back under his wing again. You know, and I mean that that win. You know, any other drivers, you know, they talk about you know the win, you know, win over there, you know, and uh, he earned it. He deserved it. Um. You know, we'll talk about, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, the Cup Series later on, you know, once we get back to the Cup Series uh, at the end yeah. of the show. But, uh, you know, he even pulled double duty, you know, and, and um, you know, really a good guy, really good guy to be around. If you ever if you ever get a chance to meet him, you know, the guy's really super humble. He just, he just appreciates, he gets it, basically. He gets it. He appreciates it. It's not like something, you know, that, some of the some of the other drivers, you know, you talk to, you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, I belong here, but AJ put in his time, you know, he gets, he knows what the sacrifices are to get where 
with 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 what he started with with his status. Mhm. Well, and I think uh, the other thing was the reveal about how he met his wife Kari. Uh, you know, near that Indian, you know, while he was there for an Indianapolis weekend, and that that brings special meaning to that track as well. So uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, he has a, a lot of reasons to be happy about winning at Indianapolis anytime it happens. Oh yeah, I mean he does. I mean he's any of those drivers would. I mean you see the way they are when they win. They just. You know, the win is a lot different. The celebration is a lot different. You know, the interview is a lot different. You know, everything is different, you know, when they win there. And it's funny because it's a, it started as, as an IndyCar track. It wasn't even a NASCAR track. You know, it took mm-hmm. many years from the finally, to finally have a NASCAR race there. You know, and for it to have that kind of notoriety, you know, you know the, the prestige, you know, like winning at a – Daytona, like winning at um, Darlington, you know, like winning at Bristol, you know, and you used to talk about, you know, some of the historic, even some of the old tracks that aren't around anymore, some of the old NASCAR tracks that aren't around, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, the Rock, Rockingham, I mean, Rockingham was a big win. Um, yep. Riverside Raceway was a big win, you know, and to think that, that Indy just came in, you know, real late into the picture, you know, and, and, and it picked up, well, it already picked up, you know, the you know, it's one of the premier, you know, it's one of the, the crown jewels. Triple crown, one of the crown jewels, you know, and, and that track, was it's not even built for NASCAR. Exactly, exactly. Now, let me ask you, I know that uh, we've had this discussion before because uh, they were racing the rectangle at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is a pretty flat track. Um and now they've gone to the road course. What is your preference, the road course or the uh, rectangle? You know, I, I my my preference for the kind of racing that that NASCAR does, I think it's mm-hmm. more the road course. I know I know there's a lot of people that just hate road courses. You know, NASCAR don't belong on road courses, but I think the racing is a lot better on on the road course. And I and actually I think the racing is a lot better at IRP. Which I wish you know they would they would have a race over there at RFP like the way the trucks ran there, but um, yes. as far as Xfinity, you know I I think the I I just don't think that the that the big track is it's just it's not made for it's not made for um uh it's just not made for NASCAR for stock cars it's just not you know and yeah. It's, I just don't think the racing is as exciting as it is on the on the road course. Okay. Well, there's been some talk about maybe alternating between uh, the rectangle and the road course uh, because for the first time, I mean, we've always loved road course racing, and I think it's some of the best racing in NASCAR this weekend, and we'll talk about this later too, uh, the exception. But um, I – I, for the first time, I'm hearing that people are tired of the road course racing at Indianapolis, and they want to go back to the rectangle. So I'm sure there's going to be some discussion about alternating between the two tracks, uh, which might be the best scenario. I don't know. I was there for the tire debacle at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and as much as I like that track and the aura that surrounds that track, uh, that was not a good situation. Um 
So, but I'm like you. I would love to see them go back to Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. I've seen races at that track as well, and that is a fantastic track. I've even heard some rumblings about possibly having one of the all-star races at uh, L-O-I-R-P. Yeah, you know, the the whole thing with the, you know, with the, like you, you know, you brought the tire deal. You know what, it's just... It's because it's, there's no banking, you know what, and because it's so mm-hmm. flat, it, it just eats up well, the tires. Too. You know what, and and what you're doing is you're, um, you know, you're asking Goodyear basically to make a tire just for this one race, you know, and and it, it's hard nowadays because if if you're anywhere close to uh, close to watch uh, short watching short track racing, we're having issues with um, Hoosier tires you know, getting us enough tires for our races. And, and last year, you know, we there was a, a lot of races got canceled, you know, because we didn't, um, <laughs> you know, there was no, uh, uh, we didn't have, enough, didn't have enough tires for the race. And, and other other tracks needed, other other series needed the tires more than, you know, than say, you know, this, this track. So, I mean, you know, we had that issue, you know, well, and, and I just don't know. manufacturers, too. Yeah. But still, even Goodyear had their issue, you know, trying to get, you know, you know, tires out, you know, and and. Um, but the tires this week, you know, Sal, were pretty durable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, for the road course, yeah, they're they're real durable because you know they, NASCAR's, I mean, I mean, Goodyear's done a you know a heck of a job, but, uh, you know, with uh, with their development on them, you know, I mean, we haven't had the. Okay. Yeah, we haven't had the issues that we've had in the past. Yeah, you know, yeah with the, I would agree with that. You know, with the with the tires, yeah, we we haven't had the issues, which is good. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on to the Truck Series race, the T-Sport 200 that took place out at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. It was the inaugural T-Sport 200. Grant Infinger was the winner. It's the first race of their playoff, and uh, so he puts himself in pretty good position for that first win. At age 37, he's driving the number 23 champion power equipment Chevrolet for GMS Racing, and he's back with his crew chief, Jeff Hensley. Uh, it was his seventh victory in 144 truck series races, his first victory in eighth top ten finish this year, and his first victory and first top ten finish in one race at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Ben Rhodes finished second, posting his first top ten finish in one race, at L-O-I-R-P, and his 10th top 10 finish this year. Zane, finish, uh, Zane Smith finished third, posting his first top 10 finish in one race at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. Corey Heim finished fifth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Um, the Grant Infinger charged to win the first NASCAR Truck Series playoff race He picked a fine time to win his first race of the season. He charged to the front on fresh tires after the T-Sport 200 went overtime on Friday night. Infinger passed Zane Smith for the lead on lap 206 of 207, and he went on to win the first Camping World Truck Series playoff. Uh, The win was his first at Indianapolis and the first since 2020 and the seventh of his racing career. In fingers, Jeff Hensley led the team 
uh, opted and opted for four fresh tires under the caution flag with less than 10 laps remaining. Other tracks stayed on the track, and Infinger restarted from the 13th spot. Another caution flag and another restart allowed him to make up ground with his new tires and put him into position to take the lead from Zane Smith on the last lap. Uh, again, Ben Rhodes also got past Smith. He finished second. Uh, the 38 of Zane Smith finished in third. Stuart Friesen, uh, fourth, and Corey Heim finished fifth. Um, finishing uh, sixth. Next was Tyler Ancrum. Uh, through sixth place, there was Lane Riggs making his series debut in his second Hallmark Reason Racing entry. He finished an impressive seventh. Then it was Ty Majestic, Matt Crafton, and the pole sitter, John Hunter Nemechek, were the remainder of the top ten. Nemechek won the first stage. Ty Majeski won the second stage. Uh, that was a return to the Indianapolis short track after an 11-year hiatus and was also the opening race of the round of 10. The 10 playoff drivers, three finished outside the top 10, including Christian Eckes, who finished 16th, Chandler Smith finished 18th, and Carson Hosovar finished in 21st. There were 12 lead changes among six drivers, 10 cautions for 78 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 69.961 mile per hour. Your thoughts about those top ten finishers? Yeah, you know, John Hunter Nemechek was not happy with the way Zane Smith raced him. You know, on the the closing laps, running him up the wall. Mm -hmm. Hosevar also shot himself in the foot by um, going after, um, gosh, was it... um, can't remember who the driver was. Then he kind of nudged him in the back, and Hosovar went after him and kind of, kind of knocked himself out of the, you know, running. Knock him, knock him back down. Yeah, knock him out of the running. But, um, you know, it's it was a playoff race. You know, everybody's racing for the win. And um, you know, Grant Infinger, you know, gosh, what a what a call by the crew chief, you know, to put on the, the four <laughs> tires. He, he he just charged straight to the front. There was no way Ben Rhodes, State Smith, or, or none of them had, were going to hold him off. I mean, he had, even even John Hunter Nemechek thought he was going to going to have a shot at holding him off, but there was just no way that uh, yeah. once once Brad Infinger got out there, he was just he was um, he was uh, he, he was, was on, on the rail. But, uh, yeah, the other driver I was thinking about was Taylor Gray, who who got into um, John Hunter Nemechek. You know, he had some words about him after the race. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm sorry, Dimitrov. You know what? You've been known to do the same thing, and and these guys, like <laughs> yeah. you said, racers never forget. You know what? Come to playoffs when you really needed a friend, you got to mm-hmm. go back and think about all these drivers. You know, that you treated the same way and thought that they'd forget, and then come to playoffs, you think, oh, since we're playoff drivers, you know, they're going to give us the respect. You know yep. what? When you least expect it especially on these little tracks like this, they said it's going to happen, it's going to come. And sure enough, you know what, Nemechek got two of them, you know, one by Smith, Zane Smith, and the other one by Taylor Gray, you know. So, you know, who's, it's going to be interesting to see how the other races play out. 
Exactly. It's not. It's never a good time to make enemies on the racetrack because drivers no. never forget. And uh, the best time to uh, exact revenge is during the playoffs uh, when you can, you know, you can't win the playoff in the first race, but you can certainly lose it in the first race. So uh, Nemechek uh, needs to be making more friends on the track than enemies. And that's going to be one of our hot topics tonight as well is the racing on the track because uh, a lot of these drivers that are coming up uh, are really – uh, and, and I heard a lot of talk about this on SiriusXM today, the lack of respect uh, that a lot of these younger drivers have uh, for racing on the racetrack. And it, it really is a lack of respect for themselves when they do that because they're, they're indicating to me that they've got a, a lack of confidence in their own driving ability. We watched Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs go through a learning curve and they put on one of the best races last week uh, when they were racing for the finish. And it, that was a fun race to watch. I enjoyed that race uh, because it showcased their talent on the racetrack. I'd like to see more of that in the truck series. Yes, but you know what? And not taking nothing away from Noah, but mm-hmm. this is only one time that he's done it. Noah's, Noah's, I know. <laughs> well, Ty Gibbs, he's, he's going to lose it. Yeah, Ty Gibbs is going to lose it too. You know, as we start getting deeper into the playoffs, they're going to, they're going to go back to their to their normal ways. It, it's just something that, you know, I I think what happened was, um, you know, was was Noah and, and Ty, you know, were just five figured out. Know, we've had enough of each other. Let's get let's 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 get to the playoffs. You know what? But I mean, Noah's they put on a good a, show, I'm, I'm, and I yeah, thought, but, I feel no, like I'm it sorry. was a better showcase of their talent. Yeah, but I mean, Noah's a loose cannon. Everybody knows it. Even I know. Dale Jr. talked about it, and he's told them. And I, I just, I don't see anything, you know, change. Going back to work with the truck series, you know, with John Hunter Nemechek, you know, Nemechek is going to be, a, you know, he's going to be one. He's got, he's got a lot, a lot of, he's got a lot of people against growing him. Growing up. So. Yep. Yeah, grow, he's got a lot of growing up to, but he's got a lot of drivers against him. So it's going to be interesting. Yep. It's going to be fun to watch. You're right. Uh, but uh, this is the learning ground uh, for a lot of these drivers, and this is the time for him to get that point, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, let's go ahead and cover the points report uh, for the inaugural T-Sports 200. After okay, the, the points are points. after Indianapolis, yeah, it's um, – so we got Zane Smith that is, is still leading the points. Uh, he's got 37 playoff points. Uh, 14 points behind him is, is Ben Rhodes. Um, Grant en- Enfinger is sitting third, but he's already punched his ticket in, so he's he's on to the next round already. So uh, then we look at Stuart yeah, Friesen fourth. Yeah, you might want to look at the point standings after Indianapolis um, uh, because Grant Enfinger is actually in the lead. He's got the one win. Okay, I'm I'm looking at the one on Jayski. Points report: Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park and on Road TS 200. Yeah, go go down. Let me see if this one is changed. Yeah, I know it says the points report, but if you look at the if you look at the uh, race page for the race at Lucas Oil, 
and go down. They've got the race backs and then the truck driver, truck series driver point standings for Indianapolis. They oh, show yeah. Grant Indy. Okay, yeah, here we go. Yeah, okay, here we go. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Okay. So, anyways, the truck series points are, um, are is, is, okay, Grant, Granny, Granny Finger is already locked in for the next round with his one win. Mm-hmm. Second is Zane Smith at, at 2,079 points. He has 50 um, playoff points. Uh, then you got Ben Rose. At two, he's 50 or, points above or 50 the cut 50 points line. to the good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's 50 points to the cut line. And then you got Ben Rose sitting in second, Stuart Friesen in, in fourth, John Hunter Nemechek in fifth, Chandler Smith sitting in sixth, Tyler Jeske, Carson Hosevar, and then the two that are outside right now looking on the outside, looking in is Matt Crafton and Christian Eckes. So there's only a yeah. seven-point difference between between Matt Crafton and Carson Hosevar for the last uh, transfer spot. Yeah, there's also a couple of ties in here. John Hunter Nemechek and Chandler Smith in fifth and sixth have the exact same yeah. number of points. They're 24 to the good. And then Matt Crafton and Christian Eckes, who are below the line, they're tied at 20-29 points, uh, just seven yeah. points below the cut line. So a lot can change in, in these next races, but uh, really interesting to see how this is playing out for the first race. Yeah, it is. And then, you know, to think, you know, that Grant Enfinger, you know, got that first win, you know, I'm sure everybody – I'm, I know the heaven. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek was was hev- was really heavily favored. So was um, Zane Smith. Mm-hmm. You know to win the championship, but still Zane Smith is in second, and John he- Hunter Nemechek with the uh, with the incident he had. You know he dropped down to fifth. You know so um, it's going to be interesting. You know when the next uh, with the next race. You know and how everything how everything pans out from there. Yes, indeed. Uh, so I can't wait to see what happens uh, with the next race. The next race is coming up uh, for the truck series. will be at Richmond Raceway, so they will not be racing this weekend. Their next race is Saturday, August the 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. So don't look for the truck series this weekend. Uh, they will not be racing um, this particular weekend, but we can watch for the Xfinity series. They're next up on our schedule here, and we'll review their race. They race the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, and let me pull up my notes here for the Xfinity series. Um, the winner of that race, of course, was A.J. Amendinger. We listened to his post-race audio uh, a little bit ago. It was the 19th annual Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard, uh, and A.J. Allmendinger at the age of 40, driving the number 16 Nutrien AG Solutions Chevrolet for Colleague Racing with his crew chief, Bruce Schlicker. Uh, it was his 13th victory in 80 Xfinity Series starts and his third victory and 17th top 10 finish this season. All three of his victories this year have come on road courses, and Almendinger has won four of the last five road course races. It was also his first victory and third top five finish in three races at the road course at Indy. And Alex Bowman posted his second place 
for his first top 10 finish in one race at the track. It is his first top 10 finish this season. Justin Allgaier finished third, posting his 14th top 10 finish this season, and Austin Hill finished ninth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race, so that was cool to see. Uh, Now then, I will go to... Uh, A.J. Allmendinger had a dominant win at the Indianapolis Road Course. Uh, the Xfinity Series playoff is still six races away, but A.J. Allmendinger has already clinched one title. Uh, with his victory in Saturday's Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard, the driver of the number 16 college racing Chevrolet is the undisputed king of the road. Uh, so he's, he uh, is topping... A lot of the other drivers um, with his road course wins. So uh, that is a big accomplishment for him. In dominating fashion, Almondinger won uh, the race. It was, again, the third win, all coming on road courses. On Saturday, he led 42 of the 62 laps. In his first series start since 2018, Alex Bowman finished runner up. It's his seventh career top five finish in 54 starts. Justin Allgaier passed for third on the final lap with Ross Chastain and Chase Briscoe rounding out the top five. Riley Earps rebounded from an early spin to finish sixth. Then it was Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs, Austin Hill, and Noah Gregson rounding out the top ten. Gregson won the opening stage in his series-high eighth-stage win of the season, Josh Berry picked up his six-stage win this year, winning the second stage. There were also eight lead changes among six drivers and four cautions for 11 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 77.825 mile per hour. The margin of victory was 2.084 seconds. So your thoughts about those top five finish or top ten finishers? Yeah, once again, you know, AJ, you know, getting the win, you know, was huge. You know, Alex Bowman coming in, you know, from the Cup Series, you know, getting the second. But um, then you, when you start going down, you look at the Xfinity regulars. Um, you know, Riley Herbs, you know, really had an impressive, an impressive race finish six. And Austin Hill, you know, continues, you know, his dominance, you know, with the, you know, with the top ten finish, finishing ninth. You know, as the top finishing rookie, but you know, you got to really you know, start to look at Riley Herbst. I know his name's coming up a lot as far as, you mm-hmm. know, what happened at Stuart Haas race, racing, you know, but I mean, that's all rumors, you know, you know, on, yep. you know, how he can, what's, what's possibly going to happen, you know, if he's going to make the jump to cup or if he's going to stay here in Xfinity next season. But, um, yeah, you know, I think it's a pretty uh, then, fluid situation right now. Yeah. Him and Noah Gregson too. Cause I know, I know there's been a lot of talk about Gregson probably coming up to, to the cup level next year, you know, you know, there's a couple of teams, you know, that, that, you know, that they have mentioned for him, but, um, you know, all in all, you know what, it was, it was a good race. You know, Chastain continues to, you know, to be by the talk of the town. I mean, you know, another top five finish, um, uh-huh. you know, jumping, you know, from the cup series into the Xfinity car, you know, and, um, you know, just continue to be the, you know, one of the, one of the stars, you know, that as much as, you know, whether you love him or hate him for his driving style, but, you know, he's going to be one of the ones that you're really going to have to look out for 
in the future. It kind of reminds me of Jeff Gordon when Jeff Gordon got started. You know, he wasn't. Exactly. You know, he was a train. He was a train wreck. You know, and then once once they're able to, you know, to corral um, their energy talents. Yeah, and their yeah. energy. You know what? He was able to win a lot of races, and I think Chastain is going to be that driver. You know, that once they get him corralled and get him, um, you know, if they're able to, you know, get him under control, I think Chastain is going to be one that's that he's going to be one that one of these top teams is going to really want to come after. And, you know, put them in a, you know, one of their, one of their, you know, rides, whether it be Hendrick, Stuart Haas, JGR, or even um, RCR. Exactly. A few drivers had some issues and accidents. Uh, Jeff Burton finished 38th because of a track bar issue. He uh, didn't really get too far on the track. Uh, Also, Parker Kligerman on lap 11 had an accident. And Ryan Ellis on lap 17 also had an accident. They finished uh, 36th and 37th. Bubba Wallace had an engine issue, taking him out of the race on lap 28. Brandon Brown had a suspension issue, taking him out of the race on lap 58. Uh, And I think that's all the drivers that really had issues uh, throughout the race. So uh, really an amazing uh, race at the... (laughs) at the uh, track at Indianapolis Road uh, Motor Speedway's um, road course. Okay, so let's go ahead and cover the points reports here for the uh, for the Xfinity Series. Okay, Xfinity Series, we've still got um, A.J. Allmendinger um, leading the points with, um, with three race wins, 17 playoff points. Second is Justin Allgaier. That he also has three race wins at 21 playoff points. And then third, you got Ty Gibbs, who's got four race wins at 23 playoff points. Um, and then, you know, you go to Josh Berry, who, um, who's sitting in fourth. Noel Gregson in fifth. Austin Hill in sixth. Um, I think Noah, when he had that... Um, that penalty, I think they took, didn't they take points for him? That's why he dropped in the point standings. Right, right. Yes, so that's got yeah, that's the reason why why Noah and, and Ty Gibbs both dropped because of, uh, well, actually it was Noah wasn't even Ty Gibbs, it was just Noah all by himself that, that dropped because of uh, what happened with the, and then he had also had that, that big fine. But anyways, going, going, keep going down the line, we go to Brandon Jones at seventh, Sam, Sam Mayer at eighth. Ryan Hertz is still in ninth. Daniel Hammer tenth. Vanda Castle eleventh, and Ryan Segan twelfth. So um, basically, what, what you see is what you get as far as um, as far as you know making it into the next round for the uh, well, the first round for the playoffs. Um, Sheldon Creed has a lot of lot of. He's got fifty points. He has to make up if he if he's going to try and get into the. Um, uh-huh. If he's gonna try, if he's gonna try and get in that, that's that's a that's asking a lot, um, you know. Unless he unless he happens to pick up a win, you know, then you know, like they say, a win and you're in. Um, Brandon yep. Jones got his win and got himself in, you know. So, I mean, anything can happen down there, you know. But um, we really haven't seen that much out of Sheldon Creed this year. Any promise? But the second know, half has been a little bit better than the first half, though. 
Yeah, he's I mean, right. he's he's moved up a lot of the points because he was way at the bottom of the points. Yeah, he has moved up mm-hmm. a lot. I will say uh, it is race 20 of 33 for the Xfinity Series, and if you look at the playoff standings after uh, the Indy Road Course, uh, Ty Gibbs is at the top with those four wins, and then you've got three drivers with three wins, including Noah Gregson in second, Justin Algauer, and A.J. Allmendinger uh, is how they stack up in the playoff standings. Uh, Then it's Josh Berry and Austin Hill with two wins, uh, they're in fifth and sixth place. Brandon Jones, with his one win, puts him at seventh place. Then we get into the drivers that don't have a win yet, and they're in on points. That includes Sam Bayer in eighth, Riley Erbst in ninth, Daniel Hemrick, Landon Castle, and Ryan Sieg round out the top 12. Sheldon Creed, as you mentioned, is below the cut line in 13th. He's 50 points out. Uh, then you got Anthony Alfredo, Brandon Brown, and Brett Moffitt. Uh, if you go down to 16th place there. Uh, but Brett Moffitt uh, being the most uh, out of uh, contention unless he's able to get a win, he's 88 points back. So really interesting yeah, to see how that's all shaping up. Yeah, it's just gonna take, it would take uh, Brett Moffitt a lot. To, like I said, he's, he's in a, mm-hmm. a must-win situation along with, along with Sheldon Creed is in a must-win situation. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see I mean Ryan Sieg has been really, really uh he's been really um consistent this season, you know. And and I think even more now, you know, he knows that he's racing, he's protecting them points. You know, so even more now, you know, he's a lot more, you know, careful, you know, as, you know, how how he races and you know, what you know, what position he puts himself in, you know, hopefully you know that he doesn't end up, you know, two or three wrecks and next you know, he's out and Sheldon Creed is in. Exactly. Uh, the next race for the uh, Xfinity Series will take place at Michigan International Speedway. The New Holland 250 will be on Saturday, August the 6th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be televised on Fox, on, I'm sorry, USA. So uh, you'll want to mark your calendar for that. It is an impound race. Uh, single vehicle qualifying, uh, so that'll be interesting. Um, uh, uh, some um, an update on Brett Moffat, who's weighing his options after running the last race for our Motorsports at Indianapolis. Uh, a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen. Uh, with Brett Moffitt. So following Saturday's race, the Penzoil 150 uh, have mutually agreed, Brett Moffitt and our motorsports mutually agreed to part ways. So to your point, it's going to make it a lot harder for him uh, to uh, make it into the playoffs this year. Uh, Moffitt made 80 starts at our motorsports, including 21 top 10 finishes. A replacement driver, though, for the Team Zero Two will be named in the near future. So watch for an announcement from our motorsports in that regard. And also from Brett Moffat on what his future plans uh, might be. Yeah, that's that's kind of a... Well, I mean, when you look at how far out he is, you know, if you're going to make a change, you do it now, you know. Yep. Just so you know, whoever you're going to get in, you know, you can get them started, you know, get them accustomed to the team. You're already out of the playoffs, so you know what? What do you got to lose? You know what? 
you have everything, nothing, nothing to lose, everything to gain. So yeah, if you're going to make the change, you need to do it now, you know, and start getting your, your new driver, you know, accustomed to the team, you know, because you still got, you still got a lot of racing left for them. Okay. Uh, another announcement that came out last week is uh, Brandon Brown uh, only running a handful of racings for Brandon Built for the remainder of this year. They've run into some financial problems, uh, and he's unlikely to return to his full-time role in the number 68 Brandon Built Motorsports Chevrolet after uh, this weekend. Brown was already scheduled to drive the number 47 for Mark Harmon Racing this weekend, after having to step away from the 68 because of financial issues stemming from a lack of sponsorship. As of right now, with all the numbers that I've got in my sponsorship quarter, I've got to say that it looks like there will be other drivers driving the number 68, uh, says Brown, who is only 66 points below the cut line entering Indianapolis. So uh, that's another driver that likely uh, won't be able to make the playoffs, although he is below the cut line. Uh, but mainly because of financial uh, issues there. Yeah, you know, it'll it'll hit you, you know, when you least expect it, you know, especially if you're not performing, you know, the sponsors are, you know, they 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 try to they try as best as they can to hook up with the with the, um, you know, with the teams that are winning, but you know, sometimes it's hard. But still, you know, it's, I mean, sponsorship isn't cheap. It's not easy. No, it's not, and drivers will tell you that is one of the hardest things that they have to deal with as a racer uh, is securing sponsorships so that they can keep racing. Um, And, of course, winning makes all the difference in the world. Uh, But even a driver like Kyle Busch, look at the problems that he's having, and he... he, um, He's having trouble securing sponsorships, so sponsorship dollars are hard to come by. Yeah, you know, and they're and they're, they're going to continue that way. I mean, and, you know, I don't I don't see you know it getting any better, you know, before it gets worse, you know. So you know, who knows? We might see a lot more, um, a lot more, you know, drivers, you know, especially in the truck series now that um, Marcus Marcus pulled Campy World Truck Series out of the series. You know, and and uh, you know, next year's not going to be the Campy World Truck Series. I don't know what they're going to name it. Who's going to pick up the sponsorship? But that announcement was also made this week too. That uh, Marcus, um, I forget what his last name is. Yeah, Lamonis pulled his. Yeah, Lamonis said that he's not going to be. Um, he's not going to be sponsoring the series next year. So that's another thing yep. that NASCAR has to deal with during the offseason. You know, who's going to pick up the sponsorship for the Truck Series? Well, the rumor is it's going to be Craftsman Truck Series. So uh, it sounds like Craftsman they're, they're, is uh, possibly coming back. So, they're, yeah, they're going to go back to basically go back to their roots then. Mhm. Mhm. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, Cup Series uh, because it was the 29th annual of Verizon 200 at the Brickyard this weekend. And uh, Tyler Reddick, at the age of 26, driving the number eight three-chai Chevrolet for owner Richard Childress Racing and with his crew chief, Randall Burnett. He was his second victory in 96 Cup Series races and his second victory in ninth top ten finish this year. His first victory came at another road course, which is Road America, 
So a lot of people are saying we might have a new sheriff in town for road courses uh, with Tyler Reddick. It was his first victory and first top ten finish in two races at the Indy Road Course. Austin Sindrick finished second, posting his second top ten finish in two races at the road course and his seventh top ten finish this year. Harrison Burton finished third, posting his first top ten finish in one race at the Indy Road Course. And Austin Sindrick, who finished second, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, Tyler Reddick had a convincing win in a dramatic NASCAR Cup Series race at the Brickyard. Uh, and with Tyler Reddick surviving a wild overtime battle against Ross Chastain, who, as it turns out, was under penalty for, for nagling the first corner to win Sunday's uh, Verizon 200. Tyler Reddick uh, won the race. Uh, for his second win of the year, the first at, at the road course at Indianapolis and the second of his career. Cindric finished second, followed by Harrison Burton, Todd Gilliland, Kent, uh, Bubba Wallace, Joey Logano, and the 16th of A.J. Allmendinger. What a, what a run for A.J. Allmendinger. He, he fell out of his car after that race uh, because he had issues with his um, suit, uh, the cooling element of his suit. Uh, was not doing its job, and he really was heat exhausted. Uh, Michael McDowell finished in uh, the eighth place, followed by Cole Custer and Chris Busher, who also had an amazing comeback after his car caught fire. Reddick started from the pole. He led 38 laps on the day. Dane crest finish line second, but he was penalized by NASCAR for cutting through the access road on the final restart and was moved to the 28th place. The race ended after the first overtime event, brought on by a late caution due to the number three of Austin Dillon stuck in the gravel following a spin. Stage one was won by Chase Briscoe, stage two by Christopher Bell. There were nine lead changes among seven drivers, five cautions for 15 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 78.511 miles per hour. Uh, the margin of victory was a 1.065 seconds. Your thoughts, Sal, about the uh, top ten finishers? Yeah, you kind of kind of wonder what was going through uh, Chastain's mind. You know what? When he <laughs> shot through the when he shot he through the turn, you know, and then he thought it was a legal move at the time, but he found out later you know, it was. He, he slowed down. They said, "Well, he slowed down to come back come back out on the track." But um, yeah, that was that was a good win by Tyler Reddick. I mean, it was it was a, you know nice to see him get that win, um, mm-hmm. especially since he's going to be leaving RCR yeah. to go to. Uh, gosh, I forget what team he's going to, but yeah, he's going to be leaving. But I said, yeah, yeah, I think he'll be taking over. Kurt Busch's car. You know what? That's another story. You know what? What's going on with Kurt? I mean, I understand he had the concussion, you know, and it's been two weeks. But, you know, you kind of wonder if there's something else going on behind the scenes with Kurt that he has to come back, you know, and, you know, they get behind the seat. I know he says the doctor has to release them. But, it's, I mean, is there a possibility that maybe he's not coming back at all? You know, and, you know, there could be some changes going in there, you know, with would, would Ty Gibbs finish it out the season for him? Or I don't know. I think, 
I think in this particular case, it all has to do with the concussion. Now, if he doesn't recover from that concussion, that might lead to an earlier retirement for him. But uh, I do think it's concussion-related, and he took a hard hit. And you got to wonder about Ty Dillon, too, and the hit that he took uh, from Kyle Larson. That was a very hard hit, and I worry about him. Yeah, he is. He is. I'm wondering if he's going to be cleared. Um, he was cleared from the medical center, but uh, that that was a hard hit. I know he's got to be hurting this this week. Well, yeah, I was wondering. All of a sudden, he's racing, and I think it was Kyle Larson, like a like a torpedo. Yeah, you know, it really was. And I was like, holy cow! They said it wasn't cow, a brake issue. We don't know what it was. And I mean, Kyle was on all fours, mm-hmm. up off of all fours, you know, in, in mm-hmm. the air when he flew into him, you know, and and it just happened that Ty Dillon was there, you know, and, and I mean, you know, yeah. it, it was a crazy, it was a crazy wreck. Yeah, it was what? very unfortunate, you know. And then, you know, and then to have two uh, two rookies finish in the, you know, two rookies with with uh, podium finishes, you know, Austin Cedric and Harrison Burton both, you know, grabbing that second and third. You know, grab that second and third spot. You know, for yeah. The... I really felt for AJ Allmendinger. How he finished in seventh place, I'll never know. Uh, that poor guy was uh, suffering in the car without the cooling system, and I, they showed the picture of him reaching for his water bottle, and it was empty, and he was frustrated by that. Um, as, as oh yeah, he, he was mad. He was suffering in that car, uh, and I know the team tried to tell him uh, that he did not have to race. He could get out of the car, and, and they were more concerned for his health. And when they showed him getting out of the car, he fell out of that car, uh, and they were yeah, giving him right attention right right. immediately. Yeah, he fell on the pit wall right there. Mm-hmm. You know, against, against the pit wall. So, you know, it's um, – <laughs> I think a lot of it was was Saturday. And then you know who knows how much rest he got Saturday night after that win, and, and then becomes Sunday. You know, due to get on, on a more faster car, you know, more laps and stuff. You know, it was, it was just it was, it was amazing. It yeah, was amazing well, if you're a, a feat of if racing, if you're a Sirius XM listener, he is going to be on uh, one of the shows later this week. I don't know if they said tomorrow or Wednesday, but watch for AJ Allmendinger on Sirius XM. I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about what happened, but it'll be interesting to get his perspective. Oh, yeah, it definitely will be interesting to get his perspective. Um, Todd Gillen with a really good finish, you know, you know, yep. a top five for Todd Gillen, you know, finishing fourth. Cole Custer with the top ten finally, you know, you know, make the mm-hmm. progress this week, you know, and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, finish ninth, um, how in the world you know, did Chris Buescher uh, finish tenth with that car that was on fire? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just amazing. I I don't know. You know, it's, we sit back and we watch. You know, you wonder. You know, just like how did I? If I'd have been AJ Allmendinger, I would have pulled in during that last caution because he said he goes. He goes. I I do not feel good. He goes. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have any water. He got bad. He threw the water bottle. He says the suit's not working. I'm surprised NASCAR didn't tell him, "Hey, you know, dude, you need to come in because, uh, yeah, you know, you know, now you're a, you're a, you're a, you're a hazard out there." 
Yeah, I was worried about that. What if that guy passes out and his car just goes careening at 200 miles an hour? I, I just... Uh, I just uh, was a little bit worried about him driving in that condition. Uh, thankfully, nothing happened, uh, but I was worried about it happening. Okay, yeah, there were so other. Was I, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was no, going to say they. Go ahead. They should have done something. Yeah, yeah they should have done so something. Not, not they, they should have pulled him out of the car, you know, and said, you know, you're you're a uh, you're a hazard. Yeah, but, oh, uh, I was definitely worried. Okay, there were other drivers that had some issues. Uh, on lap 24, Eric Almarola had an accident taking him out. Lap 34, it was Loris Hesemann, uh had a drivetrain issue, a sp- suspension issue from Danielle Caveat uh, for Hesseberg, uh Systems Toyota. He was out on lap 43. Lap 57, uh, is when Kyle Larson had his accident, t- giving him a 35th place finish. Uh, that also took out Ty Dillon uh, to finish uh, 34th. Another accident with Kevin Harvick on lap 64, gave him a 33rd place finish. Alex Bowman had the damaged vehicle policy uh, take him out of the race, uh, giving him a 32nd place finish. William Byron had an accident on lap 79, taking him out. And uh, that pretty much covers those people who had uh, incidents throughout the race, uh, giving them not the finish they were expecting this weekend. Let's go ahead and cover the points report, Sal. Okay, the points um, points report, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Chase Elliott still leading the points. Um, with four wins, Ryan Blaney with zero wins is holding on to that spot hoping that nobody grabs a win another win and then before you know it he can go from second all the way down to 17th be right out of it mm-hmm. give him and uh martin truick the way the Truex. wins are coming up now so yeah ross chastain sitting in third with two wins um martin truick's jr sitting in fourth with zero wins kyle larson has one win christopher bell has one win in six Joey Logano has two wins in seventh, and Kyle Butch rounds out the top eight with one win. And then from there, we go down to uh, William Byron, who has two wins in ninth, Kevin Harvick with zero wins. Uh, Tyler Reddick picked up the second win, sent in 11th. Alex Bowman with one win. Daniel Suarez, who also has a win, and he's in. Austin Sidrick, the rookie, has a win, and he's in. And Chase Briscoe has one win, he's in. And Eric Almarola, who looks to be on the last, might be his last season racing this year, is sitting in the 16th spot with uh, zero wins. But then you got Kurt Busch, Danny Hamlin, who both have wins. So basically that pushes Chase Briscoe out. Oh, no, it pushes Eric Almarola out, and it pushes Kevin Harvick out. Kevin Harvick, yep. If you look at the yeah, uh, playoff standings after Indianapolis Motor Speedway, there's just four races left, and uh, Chase Elliott still has the lead because he has the most wins. There are the next uh, drivers on that list are all have uh, two wins, starting with uh, Ross Chastain in second, then it's Joey Logano, William Byron, and Tyler Reddick, and Denny Hamlin. 
Then these next drivers all have one win. That's Kyle Larson in seventh, Christopher Bell, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sindrick, and Chase Briscoe, along with Kurt Busch. He does have a waiver if he comes back. And then the two drivers sitting in very vulnerable seats right now are Ryan Blaney in 15th because he does not have a win yet and Martin Truex Jr. in 16th, who does not have a win. Now, uh, Ryan Blaney's 121 points ahead of 17th. Martin Truex is 96 points ahead of 17th. And as you mentioned, Kevin Harvick, 96 points back, and Eric Amarola, 156 points back, sitting in 17th and 18th. Uh, They've been pushed out because of all the winners. These next four races are going to be critical for Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex because if anybody below that 16th place finish, uh, that 16th place in points, wins a race, it's going to push Martin Truex out first and then Ryan Blaney. And to be second in points, and because you don't have a win uh, to get pushed out, uh, is just going to be amazing. Uh, These next four races are going to be critical for Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex Jr. I'm really hoping both of them get a victory before somebody below the cut line wins. Yeah, well, you got Kevin Harvick and and Eric Eric, uh, they could Almirola certainly come up with, with the, a win. You know, Stuart Haas Racing, you know, who could who could who could actually pick up a win, you know. Um mm-hmm. how how far how far they would go in the you know, as far as the chase, you know, it's not gonna be very far because they ain't gonna have the playoff points. Right. But you know what? Once again, you know what, it's you know, you you get hot, you get on a streak, you start winning races, you know what, and you can you can get all the way into uh you can make the trip in uh Phoenix at the end of the season. Yep. Okay, Sal, that pretty much wraps it up for us here tonight. Uh, are you going to be at a racetrack this weekend? No racetrack this weekend, but I will be next weekend. We'll be back at Orondale again. Okay, good to hear. Well, it's been great uh, doing the uh, NASCAR race review with you for Indianapolis, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again next Monday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Everybody have a safe, safe weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Okay. Take care, Sal. All right. Okay. Okay. Goodbye. Good night. All right. It is the top of the hour. That means it's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us for tonight's show, uh, first of all, well, first of all, is Andy Lasky. Welcome back, Andy. Hey, thanks. How's it going? Nice to be back. It's good to have you back. And also we have uh, Jay Huseman with us tonight. Welcome. All right, Sharon, thank you. Uh, I thought you'd do a better introduction for our new person with uh, Fan for Race. Oh, he's not new. He's just returning after how many months? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing, Andy. We miss you. (laughs) I know. I've been doing this whole airline training thing, so it's nice to have that over with. Nice to be back uh, watching racing again. I was telling Mike this weekend that it had been, I think, probably three months or so since I was able to watch a live race. So it's been pretty nice to to get back into it because that's rather unprecedented for me. So it's good to get back to the old routine. Absolutely. Well, I believe it's going to be just the three of us here tonight, uh, back to the early days. Uh, And so I'm looking forward to that. 
Um, but uh, we have a lot of commentary about uh, what happened at the races this weekend uh, and a lot of hot topics to discuss. So, Andy, why don't you kick us off here for tonight? Well, I'll start out with one, um, and I think it's going to get announced officially tomorrow, but um, Austin Hill slated to drive an RCR Cup entry this weekend at Michigan, which I suppose may or may not have um, some implications for the team moving forward, so curious what you both think about that one. Oh, okay. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I know we had this discussion um, Oops, sorry. Uh, the other night as to what the promo meant, we all kind of figured it was Austin Hill. What capacity? Uh, I know the official announcement, like Andy said, is supposed to be tomorrow. It seems like it's already been released because it was breaking news and everything else. So, yes, that is for specifically the cup race at Michigan. Um, will there be more with that? We don't know. I know Richard Childress did say that our uh, Tyler Reddick would be in a car in 2023. It appears anyway that they have, although he's still not happy with the way the whole announcement came and the timing of it and who talked to who and did what, still not happy about that, but they have come together as a team and said, hey, until that point, we're a team and we're going to go out and win races. And they went out and won or yeah, they won a race. I'll say it. They won a race. <laughs> another one. Uh, whether it was a gift and everything else, I know that's another hot topic. So we'll just say he was the winner of the race. Yeah. Uh, Austin Hill is anticipated to be a third entry for um, RCR this this uh, coming weekend, I think, at Michigan is what I read. Uh, yeah, it so, should be this weekend at Michigan. And I think that's how everybody found out because the entry list came out, and I believe Austin Hill is on that entry list. And that's how everybody's kind of found out. Let me just see here if I see his name on the entry list real quick. I might be looking at last week's. I'm looking at last week's. Hold on. Um, anyway. I, I believe he's going to be a third entry um, for the Firekeepers 400 at Michigan this weekend. And uh, when everybody saw his name on the entry list is when they kind of got a jump. Uh, he'll be in the number 33 car for Richard Childress Racing this weekend. So uh, look for him to be driving that along with Austin Hill in his number three car, and maybe it's a second entry. Austin Dillon and, oh, Tyler Reddick. Yeah, it would be a third entry. So um, uh, a lot of people, like you said, Jay, we were anticipating that it was going to be Austin Hill. A lot of people making guesses. Maybe it was Ryan Newman or Kyle Busch or, or whatever. But uh, it's, it, I think it's going to be Austin Hill because it is his name on the entry list. Uh, I think it's a good move. Uh, they need to start developing who I, – I think we're going to see a steady stream of drivers that are coming in. Austin Hill is the most logical because they have the affiliation with RCR. And um, 
this is a good uh, uh, process for RCR to go through to kind of interview, if you will, drivers uh, for that seat for 2024 at RCR that Tyler Reddick will be vacating. So um, I think Tyler uh, Austin Hill is a good choice. Uh, he seems like the most logical choice. Uh, but I would not be surprised to see uh, different drivers, including Sheldon Creed uh, or even Kaz Grala, uh taking over that uh, number 33 car uh, in this year and possibly next year as RCR kind of reviews who they might put in to uh, that number, uh, you know, that that car for, I'm not sure what the number would be, probably the eight. Uh, for the 2024 season. So, Andy, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the time is now if you're Richard Childers trying to figure out what the future might hold. Um, you know, there's been some speculation about whether or not Reddick would return to that eight car next year. He is under contract to do so. Uh, Richard Childress was quoted as saying he would return to the car next year. And I think if you're even if you're unhappy about what happened with with Reddick announcing his next team for 2024. The smartest thing you could do as a team owner would be to retain him and run him for the next year and a half because of his talent and his ability to win races, as he's already done twice this season, he elevates that team to a whole new level. And if you can continue to support him and you can continue to, you know, put forth the effort to have him run well and win races, and contend for a championship, it raises the value for that team. It generates sponsorship interest. It helps recruit the best crew members possible to come work for your organization. Tyler Reddick's success now, even if it's only for the next year and a half, has a direct effect on what happens with this organization for years to come. So I think that um, the best thing you could do is to keep him in that eight car, put a lot of support behind him, and go do the same things next year as they're currently doing this season. And, of course, it's bittersweet. Obviously, I'm sure they wanted to retain him long term. Tyler Reddick, I feel like, has the ability and has the right to, to choose his next employer as he did and, and certainly you can't fault him there. But if you're Richard Childress, I think you, you have to put the differences aside to, to go out there and do what's best for your team. And in this case, it's put forth as much effort behind that eight car as you can because for whatever reason, the three just hasn't been able to do what the eight's done this year. So I think you've got to put your resources behind the eight car and, and try to go win a championship. And if they do that, that just raises the value for – you know, what they could do with that eight car moving forward and in, in, in possibly recruiting top talent. Um, with regards to, to Austin Hill specifically, great opportunity, obviously, to get into a, a competitive cup car for his first career start this weekend. Hard to say what this will do for the future if this turns into something more or not. But like you said, Sharon, and, and I agree, I think that you might see them running multiple drivers in the third car over the next year and a half to maybe figure out who the next candidate is for that ride, whether it be a development driver, um, somebody in the Xfinity series, or, or maybe it's an existing cup driver. You just never know. But obviously they've, they've got quite a bit of time to figure out what the future holds. And, and I think that this is the first sign of that is having Austin Hill maybe run the first of a few cup races to see if maybe he's ready to make that jump or not. Okay, Jay, your your follow-up. Well, 
in, initially there were a couple of things there. Initially, yeah, I, my thought was this is the preparation for when Tyler Reddick leaves, and we'll go with it being in 2024 based on Richard Childress's um, statement and, and the contract and all. We'll have to see. I know a lot of times things change, uh, arrangements are made, whatever you want to say. The To me, initially, with it being Austin Hill announced for the car this weekend, him being the one that has victories and has run better of the arse, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to say better, but had better finishes, uh, put it that way, um, in the RCR car in the Xfinity series. That to me was the indication this is our guy for the future. But you guys brought up some points that maybe they do put different people in their cars uh, throughout and evaluate. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily thought about that or saw that. Uh, we all kind of just expected it to be Austin Hill. I think he has shown why he should be. But yeah, uh, take the outlandish possibility if they were able to get Kyle Busch, I think they would. Um, so, and there are some other uh, mention. You mentioned Kaz Grawl. I think he has run Xfinity form. I don't know about Cup. So there are some other possibilities, and maybe it is an evaluation process. Um, we don't know that yet. We'll have to see if they do run this 33 car or the third car anymore this season and who's in it, if that's the process they go through. Right now, all we know, Austin Cindric, or uh, sorry, Austin Hill in it for Michigan. Uh, I think that is a good step. Like I said, he's shown what he can do in the Xfinity Series, been extremely competitive. And I don't want to discredit Sheldon Creed as the other RCR driver. Uh, this past weekend, another one, he had a good run going. Some things happened. He said that himself. Right now he is in that boat of just isn't getting the finishes of where he's been running uh, due to his own or due to his other. Just not getting the finishes. That doesn't tell the whole story. So I don't want to take away from him, but Austin Hill has had good finishes to include a win. Okay. Uh, now I say I would not be surprised if they put in different drivers in those car in a car, a third car throughout the remainder of this year and next year. However, uh, there is another scenario, and we we'll have to wait for the announcement tomorrow. And that's exactly what you mentioned, Jay. It's very possible that they may have already decided on Austin Hill, and what a great opportunity for him to make a transition. Uh, from the Xfinity Series to Cup Series uh, by racing some races in that number 33 alongside Tyler Ruddick and to have an opportunity to learn from Tyler Ruddick uh, to, to kind of continue that momentum that's being built there. So I think that's, a, that's certainly a viable option as well. Uh, we'll have to wait for the announcement tomorrow to find out if that is, in fact, what happens. Now, another scenario, and this is pure speculation on my part, um, but uh, uh, I noticed Kurt Busch is on the entry list for Michigan, but he was on the entry list for Indianapolis as well. So we're still waiting, awaiting word on whether or not Bush will be cleared to uh, race uh, this weekend or uh, what exactly is going on with him and his medical situation uh, from sustaining a concussion. Uh, we know that concussions have a way of changing driver plans. And the other scenario is what happens if Kurt Busch does 
make an announcement that he's retiring uh, because of the concussion and will no longer be racing next year. Uh, that uh, opens up a door uh, for whether or not RCR would release Tyler Reddick for an early entry to 23XI. Uh, and so to uh, Andy's point, uh, RCR needs to make a move now to decide who they want uh, to make, take that seat. Uh, should that scenario play out? Again, it's pure speculation on my part uh, and kind of the outside chance that that's going to happen, but it is a possibility, and RCR needs to be prepared for that possibility. So you're right, Andy. He needs to start uh, immediately thinking about who he's going to put in that seat. Either way, I think it's a good scenario for him to uh, be making that move right away. So, Andy, I'm curious to know your final thoughts on this. Yeah, you know, I just I just think it's an interesting move, and I, I think that it, it, it probably is coinciding with the fact that, you know, the eight car is going to be available in the next year and a half. And, you know, Austin has demonstrated um, – you know, the ability to be competitive this year at times. He's got a couple of wins under his belt, and I think that, you know, for him to jump in a cup car, they can help him get the experience, you know, needed to maybe go full-time at some point, or, you know, maybe it means he's in a third car. Who knows what the future holds? But, you know, obviously they've got to figure out what the future holds, and, you know, I think that Austin, you know, has, has run well enough this year where, you know, he's certainly earned the opportunity to go out and run a race or two this season, and, you know, maybe it leads to more, maybe it doesn't, but, you know, certainly interesting to see uh, what he, he'll be able to do. Absolutely. Jay, you're, it's your turn for our next hot topic subject. All right. Well, and I and I actually, uh, I didn't get the chance. I was going to f- uh, put it up on under the message board. I know Mike had the topic itself up there. I think Brian uh, Eberly here with Fan for Racing actually had done an article on the finish of the race, comparing it to the end of a football game. Uh, Mike put it up. He put it in a little different terms, expressed his opinion. I think I'm going to let Sharon read those uh, tonight. Um, but okay. the finish of that race, the finish of the, the race uh, for the Cup Series. Okay. Andy. Your thoughts about uh, the Cup Series race and particularly the finish. All right, so I was going to say the finish was was wild, right? That's probably the best word to describe it. Um, I'm one that's in favor of the road course. I know I saw a lot of negative comments about the, uh, we should be on the oval and this and that. Well, the fact is I, I really do enjoy the road course races there. Um, I think they've provided some great entertainment and some good racing. That being said, the uh, the restarts, in particular the late race restarts, were were the equivalent of the big one at, at at a super speedway race because every time the whole field went down into turn one, you just you you weren't sure what was going to happen, but you knew that there was probably going to be some spun cars, some beating and banging, and you knew that probably at least three or four cars weren't going to get through there, and that seemed to be the theme. Um, I didn't really care for that, to be honest, you know, especially, 
you know, with with your favorite driver in the fight there, trying, you know, to to get the best finish they possibly can. You know, I wasn't a big fan of that because I didn't I didn't see a lot of respect given. There was no give and take. Um, I saw the 22 make a dive bomb move to go like six wide into the corner with absolutely zero percent chance of making the corner. It was like, and this, and I'm not just picking on him. It was pretty much the entire field that barreled on into that corner with the expectation of I'm just going to lean on the guy next to me and hope that I make it through. And and that was literally the mentality of everybody in the field. So I just think that, you know, there was no respect being paid to each other and it led to some hurt feelings and and some drivers that didn't get very good finishes as a result of that. Um, It just, it was pure bedlam really is the best way to put it. So I don't know what needs to change to improve that because I, I don't know how easy it is to tell, you know, a field full of cup series drivers, Oh, you need to play nice and race gently. You know, you can't race hard. Like that's pretty much impossible, but um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a great facility. It's a great course. I really enjoy both the Xfinity and the cup series racing on that road course. But um, the end of the race was, was crazy. And I guess, uh, you know, maybe you guys are referring specifically to, um, you know, the the fact that we had another controversial last lap in, in which a car was racing the for the lead that was under penalty. And, and, you know, that's now two years in a row that we've seen that. So um, that part of it, I certainly don't care for. I didn't really like what happened last year. I didn't like what happened this year either. Thankfully, the right car won this race in Tyler Reddick, but given the fact that he was battling the most aggressive driver in the field in Ross Chastain, um, that could have easily ended badly and we could have seen something similar to what we saw last year, you know, so um, thankfully the the right situation happened and the right guy won and all that stuff. But I mean, it was another controversial finish, you know, with, with Ross taking the access road, coming back on track and, and, you know, running side by side battling for, eventually a, a you know a finish that was completely irrelevant for him so um yeah it's just two crazy years in a row and, and i don't know what needs to change to to make it more like the other road courses where we don't always see this um but yeah certainly really really crazy um and um you know definitely would like to see it toned down a bit moving forward uh, well, again, if you're a SiriusXM listener, uh, Elton Sawyer is supposed to be on tomorrow, uh, and I'm sure that he will give us some perspective from NASCAR's point of view uh, about what happened uh, in that race. So I'll, there, I'll give it to you the way Mike Orzel stated it, and he said it was all in the race thread, but I'll try to put it concisely. The end of yesterday's race was an absolute joke. The race devolved into a clown show where nobody was even attempting to make turn one. For the second year in a row, the battle for the win involved a driver who was under penalty, and the only saving grace is that at least the right car ended up winning. So a lot of the same thing, echoing uh, the same thing that you said, Andy. Um, But I have to agree. These are premier drivers in NASCAR. They're supposed to be showcasing their talent and their skill. They are not supposed to be bumper car drivers. Uh, and I'm t- I, I really get frustrated when I see the bumper car driving, and that's, that's the best way I have of describing what was happening in turn one and throughout the racetrack. Um, 
uh, I could go out on a bumper car and try to race uh, and be as successful as some of those drivers were being. Uh, I, I think it's an insult to the driver's talent and ability to watch them perform in that way on the track. I, I'm really insulted by it as a fan uh, that they think that that's entertaining to us. It is not entertaining. It is not uh, showcasing the talent of, of NASCAR Premier Series drivers. Uh, and why they think that it's acceptable, I don't get it. It's a disrespect not only for their fellow competitors, but to me it disrespects themselves uh, to say that this is the only way I can win is to, to dive bomb in and hope I make it through. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> no, that is not the only way you can win. There's another way to win, and it's to showcase your talent on the track. Uh, and what it comes down to is the desperation of these drivers to get the points uh, and to get that win in order to be in the playoffs. And I think it's especially um, it's especially um, desperate, I guess, is the best word I can put it at uh, this year because of the fact that we've had 14 different winners. Uh, and some of those winners are below the cut line. And so you've got drivers that are in the top 16 in points that are not going to make it into the playoffs this year, uh, and some really top-name drivers. Uh, now, they've had all season uh, to make it into the playoffs. Uh, they still have four more races, but it's coming down to the wire, and these guys are getting very desperate. Uh, I know that a lot of these drivers are so frustrated <laughs> with that type of racing, um, and that lack of respect uh, for anybody else on the track. Uh, and, and you mentioned Joey Logano. Joey Logano is one of the top drivers that thinks that it's okay to race that way, and he's kind of fermented, if you will, that attitude uh, of winning races, and it's an insult. I think it's an absolute insult uh, uh, to to think that that's the best way to win races. It's not. It, it, it's just not. And I've never been a fan of it, and I just think it was a disgraceful display of NASCAR's top series this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway's road course. Andy, I love the road course racing, but I, and I am hearing for the first time in a long, long time, people have been clamoring for road course racing, but after the spectacle that we watched this weekend at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I'm hearing a few people pining for the days that we raced on the rectangle, which is kind of amazing when you think about it. That's how bad the racing was this weekend. So I'm going to get off my soapbox and give Jay a chance to give me his thoughts. Well, uh, again, we're coming up all right. We've got five, six minutes. You, you may still have to interrupt me. Um, do you want me to make the announcement yeah. now? If you wanted this early, if not, if you want to interrupt me, I'll, I'll keep an eye on the time. Either way, that's, you, that's your call. Well, I'll go ahead and make the announcement now because uh, you okay. might get okay. on a roll. Uh, for our first-time listeners, we like to make an announcement around this time of the night uh, because we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And when that happens, we will continue to record 
the rest of our conversation, but you won't be able to hear it. Uh, and we want to make sure you know how you can hear it when the show ends. When we finish our conversation here at Bamfor Racing, I will go out on Twitter and Facebook to let you know that the podcast is now available. And at that point, you can go to the podcast player at BamforRacing.com and just fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you'll be able to hear the rest of our conversation as we continue to discuss our hot topics here. It's part of our bonus overtime material that's only available on the podcast. So, again, for first-time listeners, we don't want you to be caught off guard, and uh, that's why we make this announcement at this time of the night. So with that, Jay, uh, I'm going to put the green light on. All right, yeah, I definitely was going to be on a roll, but uh, (laughs) i got to go to some things Andy said and then you said, Sharon, before I even get to the topic itself. Andy said initially there was only one word uh, to describe it of wild, but then he also used bedlam and crazy. Uh, Mike used a different word. I got a couple different ones in my mind, so there is more than one word. Um, the other was uh, I think he made reference to Ross being the most aggressive driver on the track. And I, generally I would agree with that, but as we saw, this was not one driver. This was, as Sharon put it, the entire field. I mean, that's what blew my mind, I guess. And what I wanted to bring from Sharon's uh, statements, I know it's Indy. Uh, that means a lot to some drivers, uh, to a lot of drivers, because it is the brickyard in Indianapolis, whether it be on the road course or not. Uh, the desperation, as you said, with the playoffs the way it is. And then there are certain drivers, uh, you use Joey Logano as an example of, that's just how they race. So all of that, yeah, I, I – I say disappointing. I mean, that was, you know, Sharon, you alluded to it. I mean, they didn't even appear to try. Uh, You know, watching it back uh, last night, I think there were two or three cars that just went straight. I mean, didn't even lean on anybody else to make the turn. They just went straight. And I know Ross Chastain, and I never got a good shot of what he did. I'll come back to that in a minute. But as a whole, I mean, uh, yeah, that – I mean, that wasn't racing. Uh, you know, a lot of times I disagree when Sharon and I talk about a bump and run or whatever. It's not racing. That most certainly was not. I mean, that was a dump and run by everybody. You can't point the finger at one person. I mean, that was, you mentioned it, the entire field just opted to go in there full bore and see who came out on the other side. I mean, I don't, it blew my mind. Uh, and, yeah, I was rather disappointed in it. Uh, as I said, I think Brian's article uh, kind of referred to that, too, of at the end of a football game, if you're down, the, just toss it back and forth and keep throwing the ball around, laterals and whatever, to see what happens. <laughs> you know. So the Ross Chastain thing, and I say this, I say I never saw what access road they were talking about that he took. My issue on this one this year with it was even the announcers, the broadcasters, weren't sure if it was a penalty and he didn't get word of the penalty or we didn't anyway until after the race even as they finished and crossed the checkered the broadcasters said they weren't 100 percent sure yet they felt like it should be a penalty but they didn't know and it had been announced last year chris uh uh sorry chase briscoe they said was a penalty they supposedly relayed to him. He did not get it prior to passing where he should have stopped. Um, and I think that was proven by 
whatever through communication. He just he had they had made the call. It got passed. It just wasn't in time to him. Um, I do agree. Uh, if you will, the best or the right car won the race. But you can't really say that too because Austin Sindrick isn't even sure who he's racing at that point. I don't know what he was told, whether he was told that uh, Chastain was likely to get a penalty and wasn't a factor. But either way, the fact that that car is there makes it different for how he races. He's got to get around Chastain and not just drive by him and he's going to pull over and move out of the way, get around him and then run down your leader in Tyler Reddick. So we can't say that the right car won the race because there was a car in there that shouldn't have been a factor. And... Andy ended with it. We don't like it. I don't know what the fix action is there because uh, turn one is that way. We saw it on other restarts, not as bad as the green-white checkered, which obviously you're going for the win. But we saw that it get pretty crazy and wild on the other restarts, period. Um, I think the first initial start of the race, I think four or five cars ended up going around. Fortunately, everybody there got around it because the other drivers were prepared for it and going to attempt to go around it. On that final restart, none of them were even going to try that. They just said, well, I'll pile in there and whoever comes out wins. I mean, or gets out front. Like dumping sugar in a a funnel. Okay, Andy, your follow-up? I actually do think I have a solution to all this if we were, you know, to run the Jay Huseman Cup Series is you run the trucks at IRP on Friday night, you run the Xfinity Series at IRP on Saturday night, and you run the Cup Series as its traditional Brickyard 400 on the Oval on Sunday. Complete. And on to the next solution because I think we might have just fixed it. That's the only way I know to really fix this issue because it, it might, maybe it's time to move on from the, the Indianapolis road course. Obviously, IndyCar has been doing it for years, and they've figured out how not to – pile 20 cars into the first turn and wreck each other so maybe let them keep doing that and we've got plenty of other road courses on the circuit maybe it's time to go back to the way things once were 20 years ago yeah i've heard some rumblings about the possibility of alternating too between the road course and the um uh rectangle now i know next year they've already announced that it will be the road course so the first time they could go back to the rectangle wouldn't be until 2024 uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's the first time I've heard anybody, uh, say that maybe we should, uh, discontinue the road course. I think seven is, is enough road courses. We don't need any more, but, um, uh, I do like the road course racing. I just did not like what I saw at Indianapolis, uh, road course this weekend. Uh, as far as the Ross Chastain thing, Ross Chastain has said that, he felt that he was doing the right thing. He, the reason he took the access road, and if you watch the video, he goes straight while all the other cars are making that turn, um, is because he felt that he was trying to avoid a wreck. And so he took the access road to avoid the wreck. He slowed down, but he didn't follow the procedure uh, for what he needed to do uh, if he took the access road, and that's why NASCAR gave him the penalty. Austin Dillon, by the way, got the same penalty for the same reason. So I did put out a video that NASCAR showed during the drivers' meeting over on our team's uh, board uh, that gives exactly what the drivers were told 
during the driver's meeting. Uh, and so I do believe there was a misunderstanding on the part of the drivers. Uh, it is confusing. I had to go back and listen to it a couple of times before I could actually get what they were trying to say. But <clears throat> I think NASCAR has to clarify that uh, for the drivers uh, so that they know exactly what they need to do under that circumstance. Um, because, as you mentioned before, it's happened twice now, and uh, uh, NASCAR, where they've had a penalty situation at the end of the race at uh, the road course, and uh, that falls on NASCAR to be more articulate in conveying those rules because I forget who mentioned it now, but somebody mentioned the fact that uh, even the broadcasters were not 100% sure of what was going to happen, whether he was going to be penalized or not. And I'm sure there were other people on pit road that probably didn't know either. Uh, and the shame of it all really is that Austin Sendrick really did not get a chance to contend uh, for the victory with um, uh, Tyler Reddick. Uh, if Ross Chastain had not been there, that would have left the door open for Austin Sendrick to be the one to contend for that victory. So um, I do think uh, – I don't think Austin uh, – not Austin, but uh, Ross Chastain, I don't think he was doing anything that he felt was wrong at the time. Looking back on it, he probably sees – uh, you know what happened there and why it, why he was penalized, but at the time in that split second when he had to decide how do I avoid being part of the bumper car melee that's happening in that turn and avoid causing an accident, and his option at that split second was to take that access road. Uh, so the confusion I think came in when it came time to. Um, uh, you know, make the decision about getting back onto the track. And and that's where his spotter or his crew chief should have been helping him too. But, again, all of this happens in such fast motion and in, in a matter of seconds uh, that it's hard to get all that communication in sometimes. And the same thing happened last year with Chase Briscoe. They didn't have time to get all the communication to him so that he could make the decision of what he needed to be doing on the track. NASCAR... Um, I wish there was a way for NASCAR to make those decisions more quickly, but a lot of times they have to go back and look at the video uh, before they can make the decision. And when you're talking about the last lap and overtime, their eyes are on all kinds of different things. And for them to look at that video and make a, a quick, it's really hard for them to do that. Uh, so it's a difficult situation. Um, we'll have to see what Elton Sawyer says tomorrow on Sirius XM, uh, and I would watch for that audio uh, if you don't have Sirius XM to hear what he has to say, because I'm sure there'll be a transcript of it as well. But um, uh, I, I would hate to be in NASCAR shoes right now. Uh, but they've, and you know, people don't want to see NASCAR regulating the drivers on the track. But the reason rules come into place is because people abuse the situation, and that's what we saw happen at Indianapolis Motor Speedway this weekend, is a total abuse of the leeway that NASCAR gives them. And it's, I, I, I hope that we don't have to go to regulating drivers' intent on the track, but that was abysmal. <laughs> 
and they have no complaint if NASCAR has to go to that point. That's all I have to say after the displays that they put on this weekend. Jay, your follow-up. Well, I had my follow-up ready, and then, uh, again, you guys bring up some things. I got a lot in my head. I'll see what I can get out here in a short time period. But uh, first, Sharon, I know you were aware of it. Are you talking about Sirius XM? I got my Durango back today after the deer hit, and they repaired it. It looks brand new. They washed it, so it really looks sharp. Wow. And I got to hear Dave Moody. It was that time of the day. I got to hear <laughs> Dave Moody on the way home. So, yeah, I okay. uh, had a good evening, uh, afternoon there. And I will be tuned in tomorrow um, for that interview. So that's one thing. I, yeah, I would like to hear that. You guys mentioned it, and I didn't realize it when I said two cars didn't even attempt to make the corner. I guess that was Ross Chastain and Austin Dillon. I didn't realize Austin Dillon's penalty was for the same thing. Um, the shot that I recall anyway from it, you do, couldn't really see it. You just saw two guards going straight along the wall. I think it, it's tough. I, I feel bad for NASCAR. Sharon, you talked about it. They, they got a lot they're watching. It's the uh, green-white checkered. You know, going to come to the finish of the race. They're trying to watch a lot of things. The argument, at least on Chastain's end, though, could have been that they he was forced off. I mean, you know, there was no room on the track other than to run over somebody. So, yeah, you could say he was forced off there. You know, I, I I'm not going to say he was, but... I mean, that is kind of a defense of, you know, like I guess his statement was, I was just not going to wreck my car. Uh, yeah, that, it's a tough situation. Uh, I'm with you. I, I wish it would have been a little more clear, everybody having understanding. But there were 40-some cars that understood you can't all go into turn one and just <laughs> not break and use each other. So uh, what good would it do? But Going to, Andy brought up, and it's been a while since we've heard about the Jay Hoosman Cup. I've missed that, really. Um, Andy, your six action there wasn't quite right, because if it were my call, all of the series, and I hate to say that, all of the series would be at IRP, because um, I like <laughs> the short tracks. But the alternating, I, I know, I think it was Kevin Harvick is one that said, being at Indianapolis and not re- running on the oval or rectangle is a disgrace. Uh, I don't know if I'd take it that far, but I think there is something to that. I like the idea of every other year. Uh, I don't know what kind of work that entails. I mean, they obviously got to put up the road course anyway, so it's one year they don't have to. Um, But I also want – I'm glad that next year they're going to be on the the road course. And I said Roval, sorry, road course. Uh, Charlotte's is a Roval. But the road course – and the reason I say that is this was the first year with the next-gen car. Several of the drivers, um, as well as the broadcasters on their behalf, talked about this car with the bigger brake package and everything. They can drive in deeper and getting used to it. I am not excusing the last lap melee we had because <laughs> they had a whole race to figure that out. Um, but some of that I think we'll see improvement next year as they get more accustomed to this car on other road courses, other tracks. So I will give a little bit, just a slight margin of a, of a pass on that, but that, that in no way excuses the final uh, one there. That was just, yeah, everybody just let it fly. And 
I, I'd be curious to see a video of how many how many drivers actually had their hands on the wheel trying to turn the car because it didn't look like any of them did. <laughs> okay, uh, Andy, you get to bring up our next hot topic. Yeah, uh, with regards to Kyle Busch, um, you know we haven't really heard anything new with regards to his future. However, um, he has said that he's willing to possibly take uh, a pay cut to help move things forward. So curious what you think about that and and if he's, in fact, closer to uh, his future for 2023. Jay? Well, again, I apologize. I I hadn't been on the uh, the site here tonight to see if another aspect of that same topic was, uh, I believe it was Dale Jr. who made the comment, he watches Kyle Busch's interviews and how he carries himself. He seemed to be a lot more relaxed and jovial even when discussing this topic. So Junior feels that talks are going in a positive and progressive way. Um, part of that coming out, we, we saw what came out that he was willing to take a pay cut. I don't think he's in, in, hid his intent that, or want intention that he'd like to remain at JGR. Uh, again, that sticks with the tie to his truck team of Toyota. I think he's been very satisfied. It's been a good partnership. And I've said all along, I think unless something drastic happened that they absolutely couldn't get any sponsorship or something, that he was going to end up back there uh, one way or another. I mean, uh, you know, him willing to take a pay cut, I, I don't know. I don't know what his pay is, I, but I think that, that shows. And maybe he's using that to show – I, you know, now I got something else in my head. Maybe he's using that to try and really say it, say it's on them. I know he said that early in the in the negotiations or when they talked about it, um, made a comment to that effect of it's in the balls in their court, not mine. So I don't know. Uh, but I do think he ends up staying there in the 18 uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing. I really do. Like I said, I think one way or another, whether it be one sponsor or multiple or I, maybe even Joe Gibbs coming out of pocket. I don't know. I just feel like that's where he was going to stay. I, I, I know we talked about some wild scenarios. Uh, you mentioned earlier Richard Childress racing, but I just felt like that, that he was going to end up staying there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of scenarios with Stuart Haas racing and Richard Childress racing and and uh, all kinds of different possibilities. But um let me go ahead and read uh, what Mike Orzel said. Uh, Kyle Busch seems to think his value is higher than the market is telling him. As with any other commodity in a market, the value is determined by what someone is willing to pay. I gladly take someone pay me $100,000 for my car, but that doesn't mean the value of my car is 100000 It's worth what someone is willing to pay me for it. Uh, Kyle Busch services as a driver, are only worth what someone is willing to pay them for. So um, uh, I know, Jay, you just posted something. I can't seem to find it right now. But um, anyway, I think that um, Kyle Bush has kind of come to a realization that uh, he, he, might, he is probably going to have to take a pay cut if he wants to stay in the number 18 at Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, because he's not going to be able to race without sponsorship. Uh, now, I did see somewhere that Oracle was the 
uh, sponsorship that fell through. They kind of thought they had something lined up, and then it fell through. Now there's another sponsor possibility. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if that comes to pass. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be a single sponsor. I think he's going to need multiple sponsors in order to uh, continue to race at Joe Gibbs Racing or anywhere else that he goes uh, to race. So uh, that's going to be uh, interesting to see how it does play out. Uh, but Kyle Busch, uh, I do think that he's going to end up staying at uh Joe Gibbs Racing because I think he's giving indications that he's willing to budge on the salary part of it. Uh, he's willing to race for less, and so that tells me he wants to stay at Joe Gibbs Racing. And I know they've said they're going to try to do everything they possibly can uh, to keep him because, and somebody brought this up when we talked about it before, where else is he really going to go? Um, and I think he's probably found out by going to other uh, teams and ta- talking to them that he's not going to get anything more than what he's getting at uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, and he's probably going to have to take a pay cut. <laughs> so um, uh, I think he's he's come to that realization, and maybe that's going to kind of move the discussion along at Joe Gibbs Racing. I don't know. Uh, the option is certainly there that uh, Joe Gibbs Racing is done with it and they're ready to move on. But um, they certainly have a driver to put in that seat uh, if if he does not come back. But I would think that they'd want to hold on to uh, Kyle Busch as well. So, Andy, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I, I think that the logical place for for Kyle to to be is right where he is the 18 car next year um you know if if you look at some of his interviews this weekend he seemed fairly relaxed and i don't know what that means obviously you know someone's interview really doesn't tell what they're really thinking or feeling but he he seemed pretty relaxed when they interviewed him this weekend and you know the the commentators who have been following this made some notes that you know they seem to think that he was far closer to knowing what he was doing next year than he had been say two weeks ago so um yeah i mean there's no doubt that he's gonna land somewhere and you can't not have kyle bush you know be without a ride for 2023 that he's probably one of you know the top, i mean he well he is one of the top drivers in the sport when you look at what he's done what he's accomplished, what he has yet to accomplish. Um, obviously, one of the top three or four talents in the sport. So, you know, he's going to be doing something next year. The logical place, of course, is to remain where he is. We all know that sponsorship and funding sometimes can dictate otherwise, but I would be surprised if he were in anything other than the 18 car for next year. We've seen crazy things happen, though, in this sport, and, and you never know if there's – some kind of an opening is somewhere else, but uh, at this point, I'd be surprised if anything other than where he's at came to fruition. Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, um, I think I think it was Mike uh, sharing what, the couple things you mentioned there of Mike talking about, and I, I agree. I understand what he's saying as far as the value is only what will, somebody's willing to pay, but they have been willing to pay that, and he's still, I feel like, one of the top drivers, but if the sponsorship dollars aren't there, yeah, and he's indicated he's willing to work with that. Um, how the other the other thing you mentioned was of 
I think going anywhere else, you are also going to take that pair cut and not be in most cases, at least at this point, the same equivalent equipment that Joe Gibbs Racing has. I know Mike likes to put Hendrick at the top for uh, personal reasons, but Hendrick and Joe Gibbs Racing, with you can make an argument for Trackhouse. I'm not going to get into that, but those are the top two big organizations. Um, you know, whether they're on hitting on all eight cylinders all the time, maybe not, but they do provide the best equipment. I mean, um, from that aspect. So you, if you're talking about pay cut and going to a team that's struggling or not at the same level versus staying there and taking a pay cut, uh, and, and then so many other factors, I think a lot of it does tie into um, his truck team. Uh, you know, he's mentioned that he's got to look out for uh, the employees that work with his truck team and the relationship he has with Toyota when it comes to that versus switching brands. So uh, it did appear, I, I would have to agree with the Earnhardt Jr. He definitely seemed to give a different interview and demeanor when talking about the topic. So that would indicate to me at least that he was more comfortable, whether it's a sign deal or an intent or just better rumors of a sponsor. I don't know. Um, but I think they are on to something. And before uh, yeah. before okay. before I swap over there, Sharon, I know you said you saw heard me post something or saw it. I just want to do this one time. We got breaking news. Sharon did not take Martin Truex Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I picked a different driver this week. I I really hope that Martin Truex Jr. wins though. I'm I'm hoping he gets that win before the playoffs begin. But we'll see what happens. I thought I'd go out on a limb this week, as if I haven't been going out on a limb. But uh, anyway, um, I do think that, uh, you know, you guys bring up some really good points here with regard to uh, Kyle Busch. And I I just don't have a whole lot to add to what you've already said. Uh, I I do feel like he's going to be back in the 18. Uh, and Andy, you pointed out there's, the other possibilities certainly exist, uh, but he's going to be in the best equipment uh, at JGR. Uh, he's going to be in the more familiar surroundings. He's not going to have to go through a learning curve of, uh, you know, learning a new organization and all of that. So it's really in his best interest, I think, to stay at Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, even if it's at a pay cut. And I think he's come to that realization. So, Andy, I'll give you the last word on that one and uh we'll go ahead and move on. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't really have follow up on this. I, I think that we just have to wait and see what the announcement's gonna be, but um I don't think this is gonna be some wild and crazy move like we've seen in the past. I know we've seen some pretty wild and silly seasons. Um I don't think that's the case this year and I think you'll find that um, you know, especially with the big names that, you know, probably gonna largely in part be unchanged from what we already know. Okay. Uh, we're coming close to the top of the hour. I don't know, Aunt Jay, do you have a quick one for us to cover? Well, it, it, we didn't have it listed. I was looking. I didn't actually even see any others listed. But one I would like to address uh, maybe as a little bit of a hot topic is being hot. We, we've talked about this Brickyard race. I know I've personally testified to it oh. back when it was uh, in July. A.J. Allmendinger running both races, uh, won the Xfinity race, and I don't remember now where he finished in the cup race, where he came out of the 
the scrum, but um, his cooling system had shut down, ran the whole race, did basically literally fall out of the car when he was trying to get out. I know I saw, I believe it was his wife that posted. He, he has recovered. They got him cooled down. But is there more of an issue, or was this just a case of wrong weekend to be trying to do two races on top of the parts failure? Um, they knew it. I mean, he, they talked about it during the race. He said, my cooler's not working. I need water. I need this when I get out. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? Um, yeah, it was just, just a tough scenario. I, I felt, um, I felt bad for him, honestly. I, you know, I, I know that trying to get the, the best finish possible is, is the name of the game, but sometimes you have to take health over a, a race result. And I was kind of hopeful that they would bring him down pit road to just get him what he needed in light of the fact that his cool suit failed and, they didn't do that. I think he drove the whole last stage without drinking water, which is absurd. So um, I kind of – it's going to sound a little critical, but I kind of found that to be a bit selfish on the part of the team. Um, you know, the health of the driver should be more important than that, and I was pretty disappointed that nothing was really done for him. You know, I suppose he could have – you know, he is the one holding the steering wheel, so I suppose he could have just come down pit road and, and did what needed to be done. But, I, you know, I felt like – in this case, you know, trying to, to win the race was more important than the health of the driver, and, and that was pretty unfortunate. I mean, I I, I felt for the guy. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone struggle that bad, you know, with with dehydration and, and, and lack of water and ice. So, um, unfortunate that that happened, obviously. Um, you, you, you hope that your equipment works properly, especially in the dead of the summer, but, you know, it didn't. And, um, you know, in, in the case where your equipment fails, you know, I think you got to take more, um, you got to take more effort in, in protecting the health of your driver. And unfortunately we, we kind of didn't see that yesterday. Okay. Jay. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned it though, that they said the team, and I don't know, I don't know if it was colleague himself. Um, somebody did say over the radio of, Hey, don't hurt yourself. Um, or put yourself in a bad position. Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, these drivers are drivers. Uh, we've seen it throughout history. Uh, I just recently talked to somebody about Ricky Rudd taping his eyes open. They're hard-headed. They're determined. <laughs> you know, you said it. AJ made that decision. I know I heard somebody from the team, the radio transmission of, hey, don't hurt yourself, don't kill yourself. If we got to call this off, you know, we'll come back. We understand we're, you know, you're more important than the car or this race. Um, you know, that was AJ's decision and I, I respect it. And I don't know if he knew how bad, you know, it's one of those of you don't realize how bad, you know, he said his cooling suit wasn't working. He needed water, whatever. Um, but how bad it was going to be once he got done. Cause you're running on adrenaline, you know, at that point, you know, we, we've seen no matter what the body parts it is, cramps or whatever, you know, the driver says, yeah, this is hurting me, but they really don't know how bad until after. And I think that's kind of what happened with AJ. Um, you know, I, I appreciate his guts and, and stamina to, to even finish it. But sometimes you do you have to make that call, like Andy said, of, hey, maybe just bring it in and whether they could swap out a driver or take whatever position they were in. Um, all I can say is, again, been there, Brickyard in July is hot. <laughs> Exactly right. 
And I heard the same thing that you did, Jay. He actually, the team did contact him and tell him, listen, you are more important to us than this race. Uh, if you need to come in, you need to come in so that we can take care of you and your health. Uh, and A.J. made the decision. The problem with that, though, is that A.J. was not in the position to make that decision. He was suffering from overheating uh, and exhaustion. And my concern was, that what are they going to do if he passes out in that car and he puts everybody else at risk? Um, I wish the team would have taken a stance and said, bring the car to pit road now, because A.J. was not in the right frame of mind to make that decision for himself. Uh, yeah, I give him kudos, I guess, for perseverance, but I don't think he was in the right position to make that decision. I think the team needed to make that decision. They were not racing for points. Uh, they are not racing for a championship in the Cup Series. Uh, they could have very easily brought him in and taken care of his health. Uh, to see him, I, I, I just, I was very, very concerned that he was going to pass out in that car and it was going to create a big problem on the track, as if they didn't already have problems on the track. Um, I, I just, I, I think that the team should have made the decision for him in this particular case, and, and I was disappointed that they didn't um, because I, I don't think A.J. was in the right frame of mind to make that decision for himself. Um, so that's just the way I look at it. Uh, Andy, you have a follow-up, or is it Jay? Yeah, I do. Yeah, no, Andy. I, I actually I actually, you know, I'm glad you both mentioned that the team was concerned about his health because I didn't hear that. So I apologize for, for mentioning that. You know, I'm, I'm glad that they were trying to tell him, you know, hey, if you need to come in, come in. But, yeah, sometimes you have to wonder if, you know, you know, you, instead of leaving it in the hands of the driver, if they say, all right, I don't care, man, bring it in, let's get this fixed. But I'm glad you mentioned that because I didn't want to throw the team under the bus, certainly. You know, Colleague's a great organization with good people, um, you know, and but it's just unfortunate that A.J. had to endure what he did because he was obviously in some bad shape when he got out of the car. Yeah, I, I really felt bad for him. Uh, Jay, your follow-up? Well, my follow-up's going to be to you, uh, uh, sure enough, and I'll speak as a male. I'm not a race car driver, but I am hard-headed. <laughs> Even if the team says, hey, bring it in, AJ's still got the steering wheel. If he's not in the right frame of mind to do it himself, what, means it, what makes you think he's going to be in the right frame of mind to listen to somebody telling him what to do when he's going to say, I can do it? <laughs> so I don't know. I, you know, I mean, uh, I understand what you're saying. And truthfully, you know, that, that is one, and I would hate for now to happen in that position. But you bring up a valid point. If something happens, it's not just him or whatever, because there are other drivers up there and, you know, passing out or to that point, even for one car, let alone many. Um, NASCAR has that capability. Uh, I don't know what indication it would take for them to say that. Um, I Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't. And maybe next time AJ makes a different decision. I, you know, we can't answer. Um, hopefully, we make a smart one. Especially, you mentioned. 
uh, no India is special. The AJ is one that is that special. He said he'd rather win there than anywhere else, him personally. Um, so I don't know if that played into it, but any competitor, we've seen it. You know, even if they're in the car and hurt or something. I know I, I mentioned it earlier in the night. I don't know uh, if I mentioned it during the Hot Topic segment, but AJ's supposed to be on Sirius XM this week as well, so watch for that because I'm sure he'll give his perspective as best he can uh, of what happened there and why he made the decision to stay out on the track. But I think I think it was a foolish decision. It's And I know these guys are hard-headed, and I get all of that. Uh, but if I was Matt Collig, I'd be calling NASCAR and saying, put out the black flag for this guy because I'm worried about his health, um, and, and forced him off the track that way. I, I just don't think that uh, uh, it was a good decision to leave him in that car uh, with the heat being what it is, the humidity being what it is, and everything else. Um, I think it was unsafe for A.J., I also think it was very unsafe for the competitors, and I think that that's why somebody besides AJ needed to make that decision. Uh, so, um, Andy, I guess you get the final word there. Yeah, no, no real follow-up to this one. I think I'm good. Okay. All right, so with that, uh, we'll go do our roundtable, and Andy, you can start us off with that. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, CB1410 on Twitter, and just want to say thanks for having me on. It's nice to um, nice to be back on the show. It's been a little bit since the last one, so hoping to make this more of a, a regular routine like it has been in the past, and uh, um, not 100% sure yet about Thursday, but I'll, I should be on for sure at least one show or both shows in the coming weeks, so looking forward to doing more of these. Okay, that's good news, Andy. Uh, Jay? Yeah, most certainly good uh, to have have you back. I know you haven't had that opportunity here of late. Uh, been great having Tommy on, though, a, a very fresh and different perspective as he's come on quite a bit throughout the year this year. Um, we still represent Mike, whether he's here or not. So love the crew we got here at Fan for Racing. Excited about Thursday night as we preview Michigan, getting down to it in the Cup and the Xfinity Series. Um as we get closer to their playoffs. And you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Oh, and uh, I, I knew there was something else. I'm sorry, Sharon, okay. if I might real quick. Big shout-out to Chris Butcher. Uh, the car on <laughs> fire, they had sprayed it with the fire extinguisher, and I believe he came back and got a 10th place finish. I that was yeah, one, I, I wanted to give a shout-out to him. Chris Busher with a burned-up race car finishing 10th. It's amazing that he was able to get a 10th place finish after that car was on fire. So kudos to his team as well uh, for putting him in that position to be able to come back and get a 10th place finish. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including FanForRacing.com, where we have our player for the Fan for Racing radio uh, show. So um, I want a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in to hear what we have to say on Monday nights and Thursday nights. Uh, and also a big shout-out to our Fan for Racing crew. Tonight that would be Sal Segala 
Andy Lasky, and Jay Huseman. Uh, you guys always make the show a lot of fun, and I always enjoy hearing everybody's perspective. You guys always bring up great points. So uh, thank you for all that you do. And, Andy, I'm so happy that you're going to be with us uh, more often here in the uh, next uh, day or two or even next uh, week or so. So uh, we always welcome you on the show. Um, And we're hoping to have Brian Everly come on a few of the shows, too. So uh, we'll have to keep him in mind uh, as well. I also reached out to him for tonight, but unfortunately uh, I don't think he was available. So um, with that, I don't have a whole lot to say. We did put up Mike's Atlanta article that was delayed because of me having the COVID and some recovery issues, so that's up on the board. Uh, And if you want to read that, I thought he brought up some good points uh, about the Atlanta race and some things that uh, NASCAR may need to look at to make sure that we have fans that uh, watch the racing that's taking place there. And uh, uh, I hope everybody takes a chance to uh, take a look at that. We also had Sam Bornhorst uh, recap up today. So, uh, uh, again, a big shout-out to our Fan for Racing crew. So with that, uh, I think we're ready to uh, call it a night, guys, and we'll look forward to Thursday night when we preview Michigan. All right. Have a good night. Do indeed look forward to that. Good night. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.